match and that's just the the way that sport is London's weather, the sun will rise at 4.45. It's going to be cloudy, a few sunny spells this morning, though, with highs of 18 degrees. Right now it's 12 degrees at the London Eye, LBC 97.3. It's 4.03. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning. It is Thursday, isn't it? Yeah, it is Thursday, Tuesday and Wednesday, but yes, Thursday, which is good. And already they're fighting over poor, poor Mandela. The poor man hasn't even passed over yet, and they're now fighting over where he's going to be buried. Can you believe the family are discussing? Well, some people have walked out of the meetings, and you think, oh, for goodness sake, well, you just ask him, where do you want to be interred? I'm assuming, you know, it will be in the place where he grew up. That's, I mean, that's, I'm only guessing. That's, that's the, that's the favoured place, but some members of the family are saying, no, it should be here, and, oh, but honestly, not even dead and they're arguing. Isn't it dreadful? Why are families like that? So awful. Anyway, so out goes Federer. Thank God for that. Uh, out go the top ladies, Sharapova and the other one. Is that Arazenka? And uh, out goes Songa as injury strike at Southwest 19. And in, Murray's gone through to the next round. I couldn't care less. I couldn't be more bothered. I really, as if, and you know, I mean, I'd be more worried if waves were lapping around the window. Of global radio. But I did see this argument in the screen. I did look at it. I sort of came in, the car dropped me off, came in the front door, and there's a woman, very, very attractive, very attractive young lady, and a, I suppose a fairly smart young man in red trousers. But he was quite clearly bullying her. And I really wanted to say, you know, do you want me to call the police? Because he was harassing her. He was saying, go on then, off, off. I mean, his, his, his language was a bit, bit choice. And, uh, and she was uh, saying, no, I don't. And I'm thinking, why is he treating her like that? Anyway. In the end, she sort of walks off, and he pursues her. And then he starts running after in the square, and I thought, do you call the... P-? I mean, I don't know. I said to Gary downstairs, I said, you know, next thing we'll hear a report of somebody being found battered or something like that, and then I, th- I would have remonstrated with myself that, you know, that I didn't call the police. But the trouble is I see it every morning now. I see more arguments outside than anywhere. I say, it's drink, isn't it? It's people who can't handle their, their little amount of booze. Perhaps they're not used to it. And he was horrid. Didn't like him at all. Anyway, I mean, I think all of us would be a bit more worried, says the producer, if the waves were lapping at the uh, the door window because we're three floors up. Well, I wouldn't, be, you see, I wouldn't be bothered by that. I'd be quite interested to see the whole of this street underwater. Very blasé about the water. I mean, put it this way, it ain't never going to happen unless Hollywood are going to make a movie about the day the waters rose in London. Leicester Square, under 300 feet of water. Steve Allen has to come to work with a snorkel. You know, me little, me little blow-up rubber ring and paddling through and getting to, coming in a third-floor window. I quite like that idea. It could be the lost city of London, couldn't it? A bit like Atlantis. We could have the lost city of London. That'd be good. Anyway, so Wimbledon still goes on. I couldn't care less. People have arrived at Glastonbury. Couldn't care less even more. Most of them will be going home with less items than they arrived with because uh, most people get robbed at Glastonbury. It's got a terrible reputation. People seem to go there deliberately to thieve from people who put all their stuff in their tents, cameras, phones, everything. And then, then they go off to watch the bands play. Then they come back and wonder why somebody's gone through their tent. I keep thinking, why don't you just put security on it? You're making enough money out of it, for goodness sake. But people seem to like it. It's a very uh, middle class thing, Glastonbury, isn't it? It's very middle class. There's lots of OK Yar and Hooray Henrys. And people in posh Wellington boots trekking across the field. Thank God it's dry. Thank God it's dry. I mean, that's really good, isn't it? And then the, the row raged on over the page three girls after the new editor of The Sun said he wasn't going to get rid of them because that's what sold newspapers. I thought, well, you'll be out before the, before the year is done. 
Of course people don't turn to page three. I mean, there's, you know, years ago, it was novel. It was novel when Sam Fox and Linda Lusardi and uh, Maria and all the... Uh, Maria Whittaker and uh, Suzanne and all the all the other people were doing it. Now it's just any old slapper who wants to get a bazookas out features on the pages of the paper. They take hundreds of pictures. They can run them for years on end. Most people, and Duncan was right, and you know me on sport, I couldn't care less, most people pick up the sun and they turn to the back page to see what, what the sport thing is. They're not remotely interested in turning to have a look at the page three girl. I mean, I mean the, one, the one today isn't even on page three. She's, she's been relegated. In fact, One Direction are on page three today. And while, admittedly, Harry Styles has got his top off, so I suppose that's the nearest thing. Oh, wait a minute. Should, we don't have a page three girl today. Well, this is a bit of a worry, isn't it? Where's she gone? They're not removed her, have they, already? I'm sure I saw one in the papers earlier on. But I can't find her in the sun today. No, she's not here. I'm definitely... Am I looking in the sun? Oh, I'm looking in the mirror. Silly old me, honestly. There's me being all controversial and going, they've taken it out already. Who is it in the page three of the sun today? Woo, you're lucky. Here she is. This is Courtney. Courtney's an ace chav. You know why? How does she spell Courtney? C-O-U-R-T-N-I-E. Courtney, chief chav and bottle washer by the look of it, is 21 and comes from Plymouth. Woo, I bet you're thrilled. And apparently Courtney says here... Uh, it doesn't say anything. The picture's taken by Alison Webster. It's uh, it's wonderful. I mean, Courtney must be really thrilled to think that she's got her boobs out and she's in the paper. Woo, lucky old you. Well, there's a career move. Into what? I have no idea. I don't... I, it, it just seems a bit old-fashioned now, doesn't it, Patriot? Because you can go onto the internet and you can find people taking it all off. Why would you just want to look at some old old biddy, you know, from, from Plymouth who can't spell her name properly? We like looking for that, that Jax woman from Bid TV. Nobody's going to be asking her in a hurry, are they, to get her boobs out? Please, God. Even though she does get the wrinklies out on an odd occasion when she wears some of these vile outfits that they sell on Bid TV, poor, poor soul. Should I have been called many things in my time? Hmm. I can could, I could well imagine. I can well imagine. Producers saw Behind the Candelabra yesterday. It's turning into a, into a chick flick, this. What is it about women and, and men who dress up as women? Who was I talking to the other day about this? I was talking to somebody... I've been one of my neighbours, and um, she's fascinated by men who dress up as women. Fascinated by it. Like the majority of people that go to see drag shows, like the Thai lady boys and all that kind of stuff, are straight women. And and you think, just, what is the fascination? All the comments I used to hear years ago were sort of women saying, Cool, he's got better legs than I have. And where does he put it? Danny LaRue used to say, I whistle. I've been doing, the, I've been doing it so long now, he said, I whistle, and it goes away by itself. Which I think is quite a funny thing. Uh, anyway, because I talked about it so much, the producer had to go and see it. Well, I've talked about you resigning as well for years on end. You haven't taken any notes of that bit. Why are you taking notes of the candelabra? God, honestly. Daily Express today. A lovely picture of... Um, I don't know who it is. Kim Sears. Who's Kim Sears? I think she must be the... Uh, I think she's Andy Murray's girlfriend. She's Andy Murray's girlfriend. Learn English or lose your benefits. I like the idea that we're going to take away the winter warmer from those people who are out of the country. You know, you go and live in Spain for three months, why should you get the winter allowance? It's for people here to help pay... The, the whole idea is it's, it's not just free money, it's to help you pay the bills over Christmas. You know, because people can't afford to put the heating on, so that's, that's the way they're going to do it. They're going to save about £30 million. Not a huge amount, is it? Not a huge amount, but it's enough to make the government say we're going to cut back on that one. Also, they're, they're going to uh, cut people's benefits if they don't learn English. Why should we give benefits to people who make no effort to integrate into the country? No, take away the benefits straight away. 
I think that's absolutely uh, ideal. Uh, they're going to give a, a road and railway boost, 300 billion. Are we just printing extra money or are we finding it from somewhere else? It'll be the poor motorists, won't it? The, all the, the huge amount of money they're making on, on petrol. Because they're still making loads of money on petrol. I get depressed every time I go in for petrol. How can it keep going up and down? Why can't they just keep the price the same? They make huge amounts of money. Huge amounts of money. And yet they, they still can't, uh, can't get things right. Nigella Lawson apparently has moved her gear out of the house, indicating, as far as I'm concerned, that the marriage must be just about over. I don't think he cares. Judging by the fact that he goes and sits in Scots and he's carried on doing things by himself, he's he, he ready to be particularly bothered by it. There's supposed to be no sort of, no sort of get-together. I, I feel a bit sorry for her, really. You know, if, if somebody's got to put up, put up with that, but... Um, she couldn't afford a big major company to move, so she got a little, little tiny company to help her move. She got some John, John Lewis boxes and oh, that looks like a food mixer. Oh, it's a blender, which is good. I think it's one of her own blenders actually, and it is a bit like the Generation Game blender, suitcase, plat- Tupperware, 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 Tupperware boxes, Tupperware boxes, cuddly toy, cuddly toy, gu- guitar, um, oh, leg irons, face mask. Bondage, whip, um, holiday, 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 yeah, holiday, holiday. Oh, another cuddly toy. God, I can't think what the other one is. What is the other one? Finger up nose. Oh, finger up nose, finger up nose. Um, ah, 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 oh, oh, do 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 Hands round throat. Brilliant. There you go. You've won. You got the jackpot, lover. You've got the jackpot. There's another woman here. Almost oh, well, of course, there's another woman. There's had to be loads of women around. It's surprising at this day and age, isn't it? And um, and this one had an affair with a with a schoolboy. And and she's been struck off. He was 16 and she was a teacher. So she was struck on uh, struck off indefinitely. And the former headmaster was also suspended for covering up the affair. Emma Ager collected the teen in her car after school and took him for sex sessions in a factory car park. Well, it's outrageous. That is absolutely outrageous. Who has sex in a car park? You go to go to a motel. You book a room, don't you? Don't do a car park. Not surprised he complained. But anyway, uh, so she's been struck off indefinitely. Whereas they're obviously sending out a message to teachers, aren't they? Don't have sex with pupils. You know, because it's kind of not the done thing to do. You're either going to go to prison for five and a half years because you're a grooming paedophile, or failing that, you're going to go to a car park. I mean, how cheap is that? I'm not surprised he felt used. I'd have felt used if somebody said, oh, let's go and have a bit of nookie. Where are we going? We're going to a car park. What? I don't think so. Anyway, um... Apparently, colleagues discussed it during a council course. So they were all talking about the effect. People must tell teachers. You know, lovely though it is, if, if you're a teacher, OK, and you think you're likely to have an affair with somebody, my advice is quit teaching as fast as possible. And then you just become an ordinary person. Because you can't. It's... it's I don't know. It seems to be the worst thing ever. We've heard of prison officers having affairs with prisoners. And, you know, it'd be all right for me to have an affair with somebody in this building who was a lot younger than me. But if you're a teacher, you can't do it. That's 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 the rules. The rules are you cannot because you've you've betrayed a trust. And the trust is that the parents put the child into school not to have them abused, even though I'm assuming at the age of 16 and 15 and 14 and 13 nowadays, I'm afraid. Uh, their hormones are racing around their body and they, they don't really know, do they? We all remember when we were 14, falling in love. Do you remember falling in love? God, it's the most miserable time of your life, isn't it? You know, because you fall in love and then, you know, oh, I'm in love, I'm in love. Then your parents go, um, oh, so who, who are you talking to? Nobody, nobody. And you get all defensive, don't you? You don't want to tell them about it because it makes, because then your mum will say, well, if you are having sex, God, don't even mention the sex word, please. 
Don't want to talk about that. The very idea that your parents actually know about things like that is too horrendous for words. We don't want to, we don't want to think about our parents. You know, I used to put, put cotton buds in my ears and leave them there all night, just in case my parents might start doing something. Because we used to have a caravan at one point, and that's, that's really kind of close. You know, you're practically on top of people. Well, not literally, but, I mean, you're quite close. And, uh, and if anybody wanted to use the toilet, it was right next to my bed. You know, they had a little thing in the corner. It was in a cupboard. Dreadful. I mean, the doors were only, like, half an inch thick. could hear everything. Everything. Oh, awful. Quarter past four. LBC 97.3. Morning. 19 minutes past four. Bad news. Bad news for the Rolling Stones. Well, bad news for Mick Jagger, I'm afraid. Robbie Williams has bought a house on Mustique. Oh, God. Who the hell wants him near you? Apparently, he splashed out nine million... Uh, on, a, on a property in Mustique in the Caribbean. A favourite, of course, with Princess Margaret. She liked to uh, hang around there with young men of dubious sexuality and uh, disport themselves. In fact, I actually had a photograph of Princess Margaret sitting on the beach in Mustique uh, with two men, stark naked, one either side of her. But there again, never let that slow the old girl down. And so uh, Tommy Hilfiger's got a place over there and somebody he, he's, he's going to visit it often. He won't visit that often. I mean, he must be bored out of his tiny mind. I remember a famous person telling me he used to fly his friends over to Los Angeles so they could play football because he hasn't got any friends. You know, and, uh, and, th- and they've said here that the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge are fans, so that means that they'll be going over there. Yeah, but they won't be hanging around with him, I'm afraid. <laughs> and also, people like Tommy Hilfiger, they won't be hanging around with Robbie Williams. You can see Mick Jagger and Robbie Williams hanging out together. But somebody said, seeing as there's only a handful of restaurants, he's bound to bump into famous neighbours. I don't think he knows how to behave, does he? I mean, you can't really. He even swore at the Take That reunion. He was using the F word. You don't want that kind of thing in polite society, I'm afraid. So, bad news on Mystique, I'm afraid, ladies and gentlemen. God, I must cancel that that house I was going to buy. Good news, though. Good news on the front of one of the papers this morning, and I think it's the uh, Mirror. Uh, They found a teenager, 18, the youngest winner on the lottery, picked up 22 million. And Camelot have confirmed, yes, somebody did pick up 22 million, and no, they don't want any publicity. That's nice, isn't it? 22 minutes. I was quite happy. Oh, lovely. Look, Sally Morgan is back uh, in the papers today. And, of course, uh, quite rightly, because this is a serious interview with Sally, who talks to the dead, she says, um, she's wearing no makeup. It's so it sort of adds a bit of gravitas to it. And um, she won this libel case because the paper said, as we pointed out before, that she was using an earpiece. She wasn't. That means that she now feels it's carte blanche to go out there and say she talks to the dead. So they've proved some of the people that, I mean, listen, some of these revelations are stuck. I mean, you will, you will step back in amazement. Anyway, she was advised to sue by her close friend, Yuri Geller, an Israeli magician. OK, I just thought I'd rest my case on that one, because Yuri Geller, as I say, is another one. You can't prove that they don't and they can't prove they do. It's one of those. It's the chicken and egg. Anyway, apparently in 2010, Sally did a reading for Jeff Brazier. And apparently, in which she received a message from Jade Goody, and that correctly stated that their son Bobby suffered headaches when he was upset. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. She also mentioned something going through her right eye, which Jeff explained happened when Jade stabbed herself in the eye with scissors. Unbelievable. Gets better. Sally accurately recounted to Corrie star Kimler... Why are they all low-rent people she's talking to? Because nobody else stays away, don't they? To Kim Lomas... Uh, that she was thinking of having a nose job to remove a bump. No! Unbelievable! She also had a message from Kim's grandfather about her aunt Dee Dee, who she correctly named, and revealed she suffered from a skin problem. Unbelievable! It gets better. The best one, 
the best one, she did a reading for Mark Wright. Hold your horses. Sally, talks to the dead, has got a message. She revealed that his late granddad was very protective of the family and wanted to pass on a message to look after Nanny Pat. Unbelievable! I... God in heaven! That's, I mean, how did she know that that his, his late granddad had passed over, was very protective of the family, and wanted to pass a message on to Nanny Pat? How did she know? Because she talks to the dead. Isn't that amazing? And Sally said the name Rita was connected to Mark. It's only his father's sister's name. I mean, how would you ever know that unless you could talk to the dead? It's unbelievable. Oh, I tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm in awe of this woman. I'm in awe of her. It's unbelievable. God, I'm getting a message as well. Got a message. Somebody called Pippa. Pippa? Pippa. Does that mean anything to anybody listening? Pippa? Somebody called Pippa? She hasn't passed over yet. I know that because I haven't asked you whether she's passed over and you haven't told me she's passed over. Because that's how it works. You know, have they, they passed over, love? Um, and then they, get, they go, no, she's still on this side. Oh, God, she's still living, is she? It's like, I mean, I'm surprised she's not had a message. I mean, I'm hoping she gets one from Nelson Mandela. Because, I mean, her brain must be so clogged up with all these people. I mean, people pass over every second. How does she dissect all the different voices? Because she talks to the dead. She talks to the dead. So the dead talk to her. It's funny, actually, if you're going to pick somebody, pick somebody attractive. But no, they pick Sally Morgan. No makeup in the paper today. Because it adds a bit more, a bit more dramatic feel to it. Weather for today, I'm not going to tell you. I really am not going to tell you. I don't care about it. Uh, Irish Paul, he says, I've always loved to hate shopping channels. Yeah, I, I love to hate the shopping channels, too. The, the, the funniest ones are QVC, where they're so, they're so made up. The men all look as though they're gay. Because they're so made up, and you get men talking about makeup and those ghastly teddy bears. Those revolting teddy bears, which they, tr- they almost make them come to life. Oh, look, the head's moving. Oh, my God. Ask Sally Morgan if she can talk to the, to the dead teddy. They always try and sell cheap tat, says Paul, as if it was gold bars. It makes me cringe, but I have to say, Sally Jacks makes me want to put my face through the television. She's so bad, I can't stop watching her. It's the voice. You see, I mean, we, we don't worry about the fact that she's chronically awful, and that's about as far as her career's going to go. You just worry about the fact it's the voice. It's really awful. Duncan said he couldn't quite place the accent. I was listening to her yesterday, and, um, and I was sort of watching, and she's, I don't know where, it's, I don't know where they film bid TV. Probably some, some estate somewhere in the Midlands. I don't know. It's horrible, whatever it is. But, uh, and she mentioned that somebody had said she looked 76 years old. I wonder if somebody told her about your show. Well, of course they would have done. Oh, she'd have a fair. Dear, dear Sally Jacks, I want to tell you that Steve Allen on LBC said you were 76. Is he right? And so she says, I looked 76. And the, uh, and the trouble is, she sent the message to us at half past 12. My advice, Sally, I mean, I don't want to... God knows, I can't be wrong. I'm trying to be caring, love. Go to bed earlier. OK, we know you finished early yesterday and you said I'll be back tomorrow afternoon and I was hoping maybe you wouldn't be. But anyway, you obviously are because you're on shift. But get more sleep, love. It's not... The hair's looking bad. The face has dropped considerably. You know, the clothes don't fit you. You're flogging a load of old tat. But at least at least you're smiling through it with that really peculiar voice. Oh, and change the pictures on the internet. You haven't looked like that for donkey's years, love. And ever since HD television's come in, I've had to put gauze over my television because it, it's, it kind of flatters things. In your case, I put hessian. So it just it means that, that you look a little bit better through it. But, uh, but Paul noticed that the tip of your nose is almost touching your top lip. I haven't noticed that. That's obviously a trick which you've managed to perfect. Um, page three. I'd love to find out this morning if you, 
if you think it's a bit dated. Now, I think it's dated. I really do think it's dated. I, I can't quite work out why anybody would want to do it unless you don't have any talent for doing anything. Years ago, page three girls, there used to be a model card that Stringfellows had, and it was for if you were a model, mainly page three girls. They, I would go and sit on, at a table in there with Samantha Fox and Maria Whitaker and Suzanne Mitzi and everybody else, and we'd just have breakfast. And I, I didn't really know them that well. I was just sort of part of part of the team in there, really, I suppose. I went in there because a friend of mine um, used to be the manager there. So we used to go there. It was nice, actually. Um, <laughs> uh, Darren says, please don't put the mental image of Sally Jack's topless in my head. There she was yesterday, as shrill and northern as ever, flogging sunglasses, which she helpfully told us could also be used as a headband to keep your hair back off your face. She's so old that the close-up on her face was looking at, like, the serial map of Birmingham. I su- seriously suggest that you don't mention her anymore. Well, I mean, you can't help it. I mean, it is, it's, it's the voice. It is the, vo- I mean, it is the voice. I don't think she could ever get a job on radio. I mean, I'm just, I mean, unless, you know, some hospital radio is a bit desperate to fill a, you know, a late-night shift or something, because you can't put a voice like that on the radio. The whole idea is, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know. She was on, ho- was she on hospital... Oh, she was on Hospital Radio Burnley. Do, 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 do. Sally Jacks. Advert. You know, that's, we love that, don't we? The Sally Jacks. Oh, it's the Sally Jacks radio show. Hello. Oh, I'll tell you, you'd be people throwing themselves out of bed, won't they? People ripping the, ripping the dialysis machine off themselves. Can you imagine that? Can't Actually, I've got a thing about dialysis, which I must mention to you later. Since I mentioned dialysis, and a friend of mine is doing it at the moment. 84850stevenlbc.co.uk. Have you not got the daily sport there? Great boobs and sport. The wags at this year's Wimbledon are reasons to watch alone, says Freddie. The wife of Sergei Segovsky, who beat Federer, must surely be the best ever. A Russian model, no less. Really? I don't know. I'm just having a quick look at the... Oh, wow. She's stunning, isn't she? Oh, my God. Are they... Oh, is that her? Anifisa. She's a... She's um, a fashion model. God, blimey, she looks a bit anorexic to me, doesn't she, to you? Doesn't she look a bit thin? This one there. Do you think she's pretty? I'm going to get you glasses. You're quite clearly blind as a bat, aren't you? You've got no idea. You think that's pretty, do you? Look, there, there she is there with makeup on. Oh, she looks about 12. A little bit of a worry, isn't it? Should we check? Oh, look, there she is with big sunglasses on. It's nice, isn't it? She's kind of got the Amy Childs look vacant. Oh, there's another picture of her. Oh, my God. Well, I don't know if that's the best you can get if you're a tennis player, I suppose. I don't know. Perhaps She's probably considered a beauty in her country. You know, anywhere else around here, no. I don't think so. 84850. Thank you, Freddie, though. Very interesting. Uh, I, I don't have the Daily Sport here. It has to be set. Uh, I, I must I must send it. I did buy a copy of something. What did I buy yesterday? I think I bought the Daily Star, and I sat on the train. A friend of mine, Graham, said, what you bought that for? I said, oh, I went, oh I've got a story about the train. You know, we're always talking about people who leave things on trains. And the day before, I'd seen a man who'd left his suitcase and then come running up the platform and picked up the... And I remember thinking, you really are dumb, aren't you? Well, yesterday was even better. Yesterday was even better. So I'll tell you about that in a moment. Have you just woken up? It's LBC 97.3. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. And the time now is 4.30. with Steve Allen. I'm just doing my impression of the tennis. And actually, uh, Rosie wrote to me yesterday. So I was just frightened you. We've just driven off the road going, dear God in heaven, what's going on? The gorgeous other half and I listened to your comments on Monday at some god-awful hour before I had to get up to go to work regarding the grunting of women in tennis. Tonight, I turned on the telly 
and thought I'd gone to some deep South American weird channel that organised grunting competitions. Then I realised I was watching good old-fashioned English Wimbledon. It is the noisiest ever. I mean, it really is. Perhaps we could start a petition, says Rosie, to get it stopped. Whilst writing, bored of Pipster, the Middleton, taking the royal seats too. Give them to somebody like a war hero, or an equally deserving individual. They may not be a well-known face, but they sure as hell deserve to be there. It wouldn't it be nice if the general public knew that the seat was taken by somebody who really deserves it. Yes, people do look to the royal box, don't they? And they um, they like to see who's sitting in it. Wouldn't it be nice if it was a war hero as opposed to the blooming Middletons again? You know, aren't you just so bored with Pippa? Aren't you so bored with Pippa? I mean, it's just dreariness. Uh, 84850, oh, somebody says you're very funny. Yeah, well, that is true, actually. I, I couldn't disagree. Uh, not all the time, you know, you have to look good days and bad days as is. Now, I did ha- I did get um, an email the other day, and it was from a lady talking about um, dialysis. And it was very interesting, actually. And and I can't find who it is, actually. I shall find it. Wait a minute. I shall find it in a moment. Panic, panic not. Uh, Mark Taylor listens to the programme. I've lost this blooming thing, actually. It's a nuisance. Because it's such a... I don't know who it's from. That's why I say I'm trying to find it. I don't know who it's from. Otherwise, I'd be going straight there, wouldn't I? That would be the clever thing. Uh, so, wait a minute. Let's have a quick look. What if it's Jenny? Is it Jenny? Is it Jenny? Uh, no, it's not, I'm afraid. So, never mind. I, I shall find it later on. Somebody did write to me, though, regarding dialysis and saying that uh, she, she knows somebody who's actually on dialysis at the moment. And it, it goes for, uh, for a, few, a few hours, I'm afraid. A few hours. Uh, 84850, uk. Uh, also, the papers today... This is, um, I don't know. Actually, it's, it's quite a nice picture of uh, Barbara Windsor with Hollywood megastar Sarah Jessica Parker and Uma Thurman. <laughs> of course, Barbara not being the tallest in the world, and they look fairly tall. They both look very glamorous. They all look very glamorous, actually. Uh, Britain's Got Talent opera duo Richard and Adam Johnson have something to uh, lift their spirits. They've landed a million-pound record deal. Well, just wouldn't you know it, ladies and gentlemen, because they're all signed to Psycho. So there's no big deal in announcing... That uh, that people have, uh, you know, signed a record deal. Their their uh, performance was ruined. Do you remember that stupid woman who flew the, through the eggs at Simon Cow? That ridiculous, ridiculous person. But anyway, they've uh, they've got a. They're going to release a debut album on July the 29th as record label Sony bid to quickly cash in on their telly success. Exactly. Leave it any later, and nobody will know who they are. So they've got to, they've got to shift an album fast. They've got to shift an album fast, and I don't think, I don't think, I don't know, anybody going to buy it? Richard says, we're so ecstatic to be signed, and uh, we love singing and want to bring classical music to all ages through our voices and albums. Oh, God. Dreadful, isn't it? Absolutely dreadful. But uh, anyway, I mean, I'm sort of sure they'll do very well. Actually, I don't. I don't think that they will do particularly well, because they're, they're only on television. They've not had enough publicity. There's a girl paralysed from the neck downwards has uh, sued her mother. She was in a car crash. Now, where is this? This is um, somebody called Issy Sale, was nine, when Mum Jenny hit a van head-on in 2005. She lives in uh, Norfolk, and her insurers admitted liability, and the damages were £3.2 million plus care payments for life, which actually ends up at about £14 million. 
It's amazing, isn't it, really, that there's, there's so much of this that goes on now. It's the, it's, the, it's the car crash stuff, isn't it? I'm a great fan of yours, says uh, Jackie. I heard you mention the other day one of your friends had just started dialysis, and you said it takes one to two hours. It actually takes three, it takes four hours of dialysis, and then you feel so rough that even before you get home, your day has disappeared, and then you're so wiped out, you have to rest. I have had dialysis twice, and I'm now in my second kidney transplant. The last one was from my darling husband. Before that, my dad, and that kidney lasted 35 years. All thanks to him and Hammersmith Hospital, which is a fantastic place at the staff who care for. I know the Hammersmith very well indeed. I would suggest that uh, with your large audience, and as it is National Transplant Week on the 8th of July, it'd be a good time for, to go with your friend to the hospital to support him. Well, he's not actually sort of friend. He's not that kind of friend. He's not, you know, you don't want to go like picking out curtains or nothing. I don't want to go and watch somebody having dialysis. Um, it's an eye-opener. My girlfriend did exactly that. Thank you, Jackie. She says, uh, then you can promote National Transplant Week. 8th of July. Do people carry a donor card now? We've kind of gone out of that habit, haven't we? Donor, they don't want anything from you, dear. The producer's stuck a hand up. It's like going to the toilet in class, isn't it? You know, have you got a transplant? Up goes a hand. We don't want anything from you. You give blood. Oh, God, please, God, if everyone in an accident, don't let me get her blood. I really don't want that. Oh, it'd be awkward. Can you imagine? Oh, I've got something floating around in your body. Yes, I'm turning, I'm, I'm checking where it's come from. I want to see the complete DNA of anybody's blood. That, OK, who's it from? Well, we're not allowed to. Who's it from? Come on, tell me now. Don't, don't ruin it for me, I'm afraid. Uh, Paul in Highgate, no. And uh, Freddie says, he says, uh, he says, blimey, man. He says, you must like your ladies big if you don't think that Russian model is all that. Well, I don't like them bigger. I just don't like them to look anorexic. I mean, she's got that withdrawn look. Which I don't like. You know, you know when they sort of... You know, it's like that girl from Girls Aloud, that Nicola. The one who looks pale, looks a bit like a china dot. I mean, that's way too pale. She looks ill. She looks She looks like Sally Morgan in The Sun today, who's, who's f- wisely posed for the picture without any makeup on. Because if she put the makeup on, I mean, she'd... You know, <laughs> polyfiller, isn't it? They'd scrape out for the eyes, a little bit of eyebrow. I watched some dreadful programme the other day, Nick Grumsheen, or Scrumshaw, or something. Whatever it was, it was the most awful programme I'd ever seen on the television. With some of the worst people... Some of the worst people. I mean, any programme that puts... Who's that, that gay one of Channel 5 have just signed up um, to do helping out on Big Brother? Rylan. Oh, dear God. About as unfunny... About as unfunny as dirt, I'm afraid. I mean, just unfunny and unattractive. I mean, t- and that was a model, apparently. For what? I can't imagine. 84850, uk. Uh, I always turn... To page three to get my fix of topical and political political debate, says Steve the Milkman. These girls are so knowledgeable about most subjects, I can't wait to hear their take on things. Beauty and brains too, I know. Oh, Bid TV is based at studios in Acton. Oh God, well that explains it then, doesn't it, really? The Millionaire's Playground of Acton. But poor old Sally is still up. Perhaps she's practising her makeup for tomorrow. Sally Jacks. Maybe if I, I can't work out her accent. If you can work out the accent, for God's sake, let me know. Um, Ken and Ross are on their way to Gatwick, you poor souls. Bid studios are in Acton on an industrial estate. Kind of sums it up. Doesn't really industrial, I think. Most of the women look a little bit butch. Uh, Ian says, my first crush was Hayley Mills. She was 14, I was 13. No chance of us getting together. I saw a model once, and she was... I, remember, I can remember this vividly. Although, blow me down, I can't remember her name. And she was posing on a rock. I was probably 13, going through a strange transition in my life. And I looked at this picture of her, and I remember thinking she was the most beautiful person I'd ever seen in my life. You know when you look at pictures when you're 13, 14? Ella Rosa, I was looking at a mirror. No, sorry, I was in a jerky. And, um, and I, was, I was looking at this picture of her, and I remember thinking, God, 
What a stunning... And I, that, that picture stuck with me, but I cannot remember her name. Anyway, years later, she, um, she was in a movie. And I remember thinking, I've got to get her in. I've got to get her in to talk to her. And, and, and when she came in, it was such an awful interview. I was so disappointed. I mean, I suppose that you could argue the fact that it was probably my fault for not being particularly brilliant at the time. But I thought most of my interviews were fairly good. You know, I don't think I've ever done a bad interview. I've done an interview where, where, where the guests have been a little bit um, prickly. You know, you sort of, you say something, you go, well, that's not true. And you think, you're not helping yourself, are you? You know, why not try and be a nice person? You know, that would, that would go some way. Because I've seen them up and I've seen them come down again. And believe you me, when you see them come down and you know it's desperate. I got the listings through the other day for the Richmond Theatre. They've got pantomime this year, as indeed they have every year. Who have they got headlining their, their pantomime? He must be 70 if he's a day. Henry Winkler from the Fonz. Well, he's already done Wimbledon pantomime. He's done loads of pantomimes over here. So he, he can't be cheap, but he's obviously hit on the fact because he's giving of his uh, Captain Hook. So they must be doing Peter Pan at Richmond Theatre. So I know that uh, James O'Brien, James O'Brien's terribly taken with, with celebrities and he, he will love to go to that. That will, that will be, he'll be able to take the kids to go and see uh, him. He'll have him on the programme and then he'll, he'll try and wangle some free tickets, I bet you. <laughs> I just got this feeling. 84850, steve at Shall we see what the, uh, what the Daily Mail has said? Oh, we've got a, got a gadget competition for you today. I'll tell you what it is in a, in a moment. Here's poor old Nigella. You know, she's looking so miserable. In all the paper, she looks so... You feel a bit sorry for her, really. Um, she's in a rented Mayfair flat. She's taking her cookbooks out and, and her cannabis. It's an energy drink, by the way. It's legal. And, uh, and she's, just, she's not wearing any makeup, so she's looking particularly depressed about the whole thing. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. Uh, Michael Jackson's son, Prince Michael, speaking publicly about the first time that he saw his uh, father's body. He saw the singer hanging halfway off his bed with his eyes rolled up in the back of his head. And um, he's giving evidence in this case. They're trying to claim £29 billion or something from the tour promoter. And I was watching some horrendous images on the television today. You know the Japanese love whale, and they kill whale left, right, set. They can't justify it. They're just, they're just murderers. And so they go out into the seas, and, and they, just, they just attack these whales, who, who, to be honest with you, haven't got the faintest idea. They just know that they want to avoid ships. And then, before they know where they are, these harpoons go plunging into them. They drag them back. They're bleeding all over the ocean. It's the most gruesome thing you've ever seen. It's worse than the Faroe Islands, as far as I'm concerned. That's where they drive all these whales in, and the whole... The Faroe Islanders come out and just hack them to pieces. I don't understand why. It would be like, you know, going to an abattoir, and they don't actually put a stun bullet thing into the head of a, a cow or a sheep or whatever, a pig or whatever it happens to be. They just start hacking them with knives, and the Japanese do this on the, on the big whaling ships. It's just absolutely atrocious. I'm no great animal campaigner, believe you me. I'm as, I'm as concerned if I see cruelty to animals as I am for anything else. But you look at these beautiful whales and you look at this, you know, harpoon that's sort of stuck into the side of it and the thing thrashes around in the water, the blood's all over the place and they drag it on board the ship and while it's still alive, they hack it to pieces. I mean, I don't quite understand why anybody would ever want to do that, but that's the Japanese. And they put it in little tins and sell it. And I think to myself, it's just... Can't you find something else... Can't you find something else? Uh, there's that awful that story in the paper today of the British couple and their disabled daughter who'd been found shot dead on the Costa del Sol. It looks highly likely that the father shot the mother who was in a wheelchair and the disabled daughter and then killed himself with a bullet to the head. There was only one bullet. 
and it turns out that they, uh, they've been visited by debt collectors and everything else. It turns out they've got themselves into a right pickle. And I've always said to anybody who gets themselves into a pickle, it can never be that bad. There is always somebody somewhere that can help you. And that's where LBC come in. London's biggest conversation, Steve Allen. Still to come, the gadget competition for the day. And uh, I don't know if, uh, if Jane Moodley is still listening. Hello, Jane Poppet. Does Marie know you're using her computer at work? I mean, I just, I just ask whether or not, you know, she, you know, we, I have to check that a little bit later on with sort of the police just to make sure you're allowed to do that. I hope you're allowed to. It'd be awful if you weren't, wouldn't it? And you were sort of sending obscene messages to people on somebody else's computer. By the way, darling, I laugh all the way back to the Bentley Anage. I really do. Gadget giveaway. Yesterday, you'll be delighted to know that Darren Ferris, there's a name I can pronounce. I've had some totally unpronounceable names over the past few weeks. Thank you so much. But Darren Ferris from Homerton. We've never had a winner from Horrerton. Homerton. Knew that Vorsprung Dur Technik is used by Audi and got himself a fabulous pair of Sennheiser headphones. I mean, they are really the dog's watsits. They really are. Absolutely. Today, uh, 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 it's an Acer laptop. It's an Acer E1, the great all-rounder. It's got Windows 8 preloaded. There you go, Jane. You could go for this one, dear. You could have your own computer at work. Go for this one. Come on. So, one lucky person will win the Acer E1 laptop today by answering this question. Oh, you'll never know this one. You'll never know the answer to this one in a million years. Which brand has the advertising slogan, Taste the Rainbow? Taste the Rainbow. Anyway, text the word gadget, followed by your answer, and then you send it to 84850. So which brand has the advertising slogan, Taste the Rainbow? Text gadget, then your answer, and send it to 84850 before 6.30 this morning. Now, the text will cost you £1.50, plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered, but may still be charged. We play across the LBC network, full terms and conditions online at lbc.co.uk. How lovely. How lovely, an Acer E1 laptop. Check it out on the internet and you will be as impressed as we are. That's, uh, that's today's prize in the great gadget giveaway on LBC 97.3. That's a nice one, isn't it? I like it when we actually give away laptops because it's the most useful present next to the iPads and the, and the Samsung things that we've had in a, in a long, long while. Uh, <laughs> Howard says, I didn't see Nick Ferrari's bringing out a fitness video for the autumn. All workouts carried out in the comfort of his armchair. Listen, believe you me, if he thought he could sell a DVD, he'd be selling a DVD of his, uh, of his fitness. But I don't, I don't think it's very likely. Either him or me. It'll never, ever happen. When I was 14, says Richard, my first crush was Brigitte Bardot, who I still believe to this day was, at the time, the most beautiful woman in the world, and indeed of all time. Yeah, some people never check. I wish I could remember the name of this woman who I had sort of... I say a crush, you know, I think a crush is probably the wrong word. I just remember thinking it was the most beautiful picture. And it was just, it was just absolutely lovely, but I was so disappointed with the interview. That's the, uh, that's the only problem, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850, trying to find something here in the, uh, in the mail. A little bit difficult today. Find something. Again, they're going on about Ian Brady. His barrister is now arguing that he he was mentally ill, but he's not um, now. Uh, plus, oh, the BBC have said sorry. Why have they said sorry? Well, apart from most of their lame presenters, um, I suppose it's because of Holly Willoughby's dress. They thought she was saying, showing too much boob. I didn't think she was showing too much boob. I mean, for goodness sake, you know, it's... But they, they've said here it was hardly the dress to wear on a family show. But nobody's watching it. 
It's the biggest pile of rubbish on the television. It's doggy doos. Nobody cares about it. The black gown prompted 139 viewers to complain. Who are these people? Who's... Uh, 139 people complained, so the BBC have apologised. Tell them to go away, silly little girls' blouses. They're quite clearly sort of flat-chested women or something. I can't think why or anybody who would complain about Holly Willoughby. It wasn't, it wasn't that revealing. It was very pretty. It had some lacy, fibbly-jibbly bits here. And, and she wasn't even showing as much as she shows on this morning, where practically she's resting them on the table. But I don't, I don't see any problem with this. I think it's absolutely fine. A BBC statement has said, do you, mind, do you think they sat down and had a meeting about it? Somebody said, oh, do you want to write the statement? Oh, I'll write the statement. We have to be seen to be doing some of these 139 saddos. They said, we're sorry if some viewers found Holly's dress to be unsuitable. Holly enjoys fashion, and we felt the dress she wore for the live final was glamorous and wholly appropriate for the occasion. Well, absolutely. I totally agree. I couldn't disagree more with these 139 people. And generally, you know, I might, I might sort of agree if somebody said I think somebody was sort of tacky. It's like, I mean, I mean the thing you should have complained about on The Voice was how bad Reggie Yates' presentational skills are. Don't worry about Holly Willoughby's dress, for God's sake. I mean, that was OK. Reggie Yates can't present for toffee. Cannot present for toffee. It should be back on children's television. Maybe that's pushing it a little bit. Oh, and then there was a lovely piece of the paper. Do you remember? Um, they had Emma Watson uh, from um, Harry Potter. And she said in an interview the other day that she only possessed eight pairs of shoes. So the paper's gone out to prove her a liar. Because she's wearing, in, in the course of less than a year, £14,000 worth of shoes. They go, eight pairs of shoes? Why have you lied to people? Do you think that people don't check, or is it just a way to get yourself in the paper? Either way, they've proved that she's lying. And uh, as every Monopoly... Do you love Monopoly? I love Monopoly. As a game, I think it's... Uh, m- me and my family used to love Monopoly. We used to play shortened version, longer versions. I loved it. But Mayfair, as you know, carries the highest price tag of £400. But, in fact, as every Londoner knows all too well, it's been a very long time since you could buy a home there without adding a few zeros. Now experts have revealed just how much properties on the games board would set you back at today's prices. So, for example, these are average house prices from last year. Old Kent Road, where it's £60, 192000 is the average price. If you go along to... Let's find the most expensive here. Whitehall. Now, Whitehall on the Monopoly board is 140 quid, which is way behind Mayfair at £400, whereas the average price of a house in Whitehall is £1,172,000. They've got it all backwards. They've got it all backwards. Marlborough Street, £180 on the Monopoly board, which is way behind Mayfair, £1,078,000. That's why. It's very interesting looking at them here. So what they've got, um, for example, Mayfair... £400, £1,426,000. Bond Street, £1,235,000. Regent Street, £1,244,000. for Park Lane, but that's roughly the same. So it's interesting, isn't it, how much it's changed over the years. I prefer myself to start off with, with the cheap properties. I used to like buying Whitehall, and then the Angel Islington, a bit down the, at the bottom, the Blues, and try and get that corner, because that's where people always landed on. You, and at least it was regular money. I wonder what Tom Swarbrick's doing in Twickenham today. Oh, to God, I'm not going to bump into him in Starbucks later on. I wonder what they're sending him to. It's a secret mission. A secret mission. Tom Swarbrick down there in, uh, in, in Twickenham. <laughs> be getting my train, probably. Uh, somebody's... Oh, right. Oh, is that the... Uh, wait a minute. Sorry, Howard said... I can't read that, unfortunately, Howard. So it doesn't really help. Does not really help, but thank you very much indeed for sending it in. I'm sure I shall... Somebody else will be able to help me out. 
It's because uh, I'm not very good with the answers to some of the questions for the gadget competition. Uh, I think Sally would be okay. Is this Sally Jacks? Poor old Sally Jacks. I should be getting an agent next. Uh, if she took the voice down a notch and wore fifty percent less makeup. <laughs> yes, I mean uh, to be honest with you, I couldn't tell you what she what she actually wears on television. It's just that it, it's the voice. The voice is shrill. And there's nothing worse than a shrill voice accompanied by somebody who quite clearly has got no... And they're working in Acton, ladies and gentlemen, on an industrial estate. What does that tell you? An industrial estate in Acton. I can't think of anything worse. At least we're in Leicester Square, darling. Centre of. Uh, Chester Zoo (laughs) have ejected 29 pupils from Radcliffe School. And the pupils have been um, ejected... Because they were hurling missiles and exposing their bottoms. So uh, they've been banned from a zoo for two years. The 14 and 15-year-olds from Radcliffe School in Greater Manchester. Oh, dear. They were around 300 GCSE pupils from Year 10. But as a result of the actions of nearly uh, of these children, they all had to get on the buses and go home. The zoo said 29 pupils were involved. The headmaster who is uh, Hardile Heyer, said only 24 children took part. Stupid man. Doesn't matter how many it is. It's the fact that they did it, and they were unruly. So he's actually defending them. Idiot. Complete idiot. Some pupils bared their backsides at the monkeys. Others hurled food at them. And there was also damage to property. Uh, he said it was only 24 people. Stupid man. Why do you get headmasters who are so, so dumb, I'm afraid? But uh, he said the school expects high standards of behaviour inside and outside school. Well, quite clearly not, darling. Quite clearly not. You know, you can't have things like that. We don't mind p- kids going to there. But the, the actions of a few... I think the, the kids should be ejected from school immediately. Put on suspension. Because well, why should the rest of the school have to suffer? That's not nice, is it? They shouldn't have to... To sort of suffer and things like that. Oh, I can't bear. Uh, do you know what? The one thing I love to eat, I love eating apples, but I can't bear biting into them. Isn't that odd? I cannot bear biting into an apple. And there's so many nice apples around at the moment. Braeburn apples and pink ladies and... Oh, everything just looks so wonderful out there. Fruit and veg. I must have some vegetables today. I really must. And uh, as heard on LBC exclusively yesterday, the shantytown sham, the Romanians evicted from this squalid suburban site. You know, we really are the dumping ground of Europe now, aren't we? And then we go, would anybody like to go home on a flight? Send you home on a flight, you know, so they pop out, then they pop back in again. So they another camp. It's not bad, it's just a free flight home. Uh, plus today on the programme later on, we will have a little tease of actor Simon Day. He's not featured this week on In Conversation. This week it's Steve Carell and Anita Dobson, because they've both got things opening this week. Simon Day has also got something opening on Monday, so we've got that rare occasion where there are three things opening on the Monday. And Simon's going to be in uh, down at the Vaudeville Theatre in The Lady Killers, which, as you know, has been made into a film. It's uh, toured in London. It's been in London for ages, and it's come back in again, and he's part of the all-star cast who are there. So good luck. For all those people. We'll have a little clip a little bit later on. Um, the Voice needs somebody with real charisma to present it. Somebody like Andy Murray or Paul McCartney's son, says Ian. <laughs> yes. I don't know why they're bothering with it, but the BBC have spent so much money on it that they, they're, they're kind of stuck. They're stuck with it. We're going to be mentioning something lovely later on. Raymond, I know, will be up early this morning, together with a lot of... A lot of taxi drivers in town, not just the normal taxi drivers, but a lot of other taxi drivers, and they'll be doing something special. And I'll tell you what it is about quarter past, half past six this morning. More of your texts and emails, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Bob says, why do 139 people out of several million viewers even merit a comment? Obviously, the great majority had no issue at all. So, as you say, tell the 139 to go away. Oh, I'd go round there and knock on their door. 
Who are you? Why are you, why are you stupid? Holly Willoughby's dress was beautiful. It really was a beautiful dress. She wasn't showing too much bosom at all. As I say, complain about anything. You know, complain about Tom Jones, for goodness sake. On FM, online and with Steve Allen. Morning, four minutes past five. Uh, Nelson Mandela all over the, uh, the news. Um, I don't know how long people are expecting him to go for today, but I know that the President of the United States of America... Mr. Obama has uh, gone over there. He's pictured. He, he landed a bit early. They were saying he'd be there on Friday, but in fact, he's there now. And I think he's going to see Mr. Mandela, who's 94. He's still in that critical condition. And uh, there are various rumours coming out of South Africa. There's various stories in the papers today, incidentally, sort of saying about where they're going to bury him. I mean, it's, it's still, you know, he's still, as far as we know, clinging on. As far as we know, clinging on. But if, if things change, which I suspect they might do this morning then uh, you'll hear it first on LBC 97.3. Actually, strangely, yesterday when I walked out of the building, there were camera crews all over the place. All over the place, in the reception, upstairs, on our floor, everything. And I, I, said, to, um, I said to somebody, what's going on? They went, dynamos in the building. I said, dynamos in the building? What, a dynamo? Nope, dynamo the magician. And so, out, so in our reception, there were two, two film crews. There was a cameraman up on... Um, because he was going in to do uh, to do Dave and and, um, and lovely uh, Lisa, and uh, and then downstairs in in the square, there was about another three or four camera. Cr- I've never seen so many people. I thought it was for me. And then there's a cameraman just right inside the front door. It was, it was quite amazing, really. Uh, Bob in Manchester says we are the same. I too can only eat, eat apples with a knife, as I can't bring myself to bite into them. And uh, you see, I, I can't bite into them. I just, I don't know why, and yet I love apples. I love looking at them. I love touching apples. It's not a fetish. I don't have an apple fetish or anything like that. I just particularly like apples, but I just can't bite into them. I don't know. It's odd, isn't it? Strange. Uh, I'm trying to find out, what the, because we're, we're sending our reporter, Tom Swarbrick, down to Twickenham today. And I don't know exactly why, he, but perhaps we'll end up on the same train. We could be on the same train. Let's see, he probably gets a car or something like that. He's probably very posh. But uh, I should be going back to Twickenham later on. Tomorrow... Uh, we'll be recording Bradley Walsh early. 8.30, apparently. Good grief, honestly. He looks all right for 8.30 in the morning. <laughs> he has been known to hear the programme. Uh, Nick Ferrari, Glenn O'Glaser, the political journalist, is looking at the papers for today. And, of course, it's uh, it's called Clegg. I think there's, I predict there's going to be a lot to talk to Mr Clegg about. Oh, blimey. A lot to talk to Mr Mr Clegg about today. Because I've, I've, I've just got a prediction that something will happen with uh, with Mandela before we get to that that bit, I'm pr- I'm pretty certain. Okay, okay, okay. Um, another one here says, "Oh, Joe says, uh, do you go back to bed after starting your show so early in the morning?" No, I've already been to bed. I've woken up. This is my day. Whoopee! Yeah, love it. Yeah, this is my day. Sometimes I have a little lie down, but nothing nothing particularly special. I went and got the car washed yesterday, and that was nice. I'm very happy with things like that. Oh no, I like I like uh, this. I'm I'm at my best at this time of the morning. You might, dis- might disagree with that, but I promise you, I am at my best. I am particularly good at this time of the morning. Uh, I was in your neck of the woods yesterday, says Nick and Askell. Upon leaving Twickenham, headed through Feltham. I began wondering where exactly the tracks are, because Feltham is most certainly on the wrong side of them. What a dreadful place. Don't tell little Julie that. She lives in Feltham. She likes it. There are good bits of Feltham. <laughs> Can't remember exactly where they were. Um, there's a, a wristband here. And this they say, they ask the question in the mail, because they do these every so often, can it really relieve the nausea symptoms, nausea symptoms of a migraine? And uh, this 
this band which people put on, it's, it's come from Germany. And, you know, there's all sorts of stuff you can get abroad which doesn't, doesn't work here at all, actually. But he actually studied 41 patients, and so what they've done is they've actually put this acupressure wristband on and they've said it reduced vomiting and nausea. I mean, there are lots of unknowns about migraines, aren't there? I've never suffered with that, and I, but I feel immense sympathy for people who do because they've said to me just how awful it is. And, and they'll, they'll do anything. It's like people who snore. People will do anything to try and, uh, you know, stop snoring. It can ruin marriages. It can absolutely ruin marriages. The best thing, I mean, I should imagine, because the older you get and the fatter you are and if you smoke and if you drink, well, that, that makes you snore all the more. So, you know, if you're a big person, there's a very good chance you snore. And so I'm assuming, well, that's why the royal family have separate beds. That's why their marriages last. Separate bedrooms. Yeah, I should imagine you can hear, hear Prince Philip probably down at Balmoral. I should imagine he's a terrible snore. I don't know why I just look at him and you just think, I bet you snore. Um, women spend almost a year, according to a report today in the Mail, uh, counting calories. Almost a year counting calories and worrying about your weight during your lifetime. But men are not far behind. Uh, men think about diets for 18 minutes a day. Well, you don't if you're thin, do you? If you're, if you're a, <coughs> excuse me, a thin person, you don't worry about it. But it is the one main worry that people have in this country. Women worry about it. You, you worry about, oh, I'm getting married, so I've got to... It's like Denise Welsh in the papers the other day, having to lose weight because she's getting married. And quite clearly, if she's flogged it, which I suspect she has to OK Magazine or something like that, it'll be one of those NAF celebrity weddings where they'll doll up all the poor old loose women dragons and have them standing there looking like Muppets. Uh, just for the benefit, if she can line her, her pockets with money. It'd be interesting to find out whether or not it works the other way round, if Carol McGiffin ever gets married, you know, whether or not all the loose women will turn up to that one, or whether it'll just be her and the old man and a registry office. Whether OK be interested in paying for it. That's the, that's, that's the thing, isn't it? It's whether people want to sell their, their, their special day. I've been to an OK wedding. You know, beautifully done, don't get me wrong, but it's just, they, you, you tend to find the happy couple don't know three-quarters of the guests there. They're sort of ferried in, because the more pages they can fill up, the more money you're guaranteed. That's how it works, I'm afraid. <laughs> it's, as, it's as cut and thrust as that. How many celebrities do you know? How many can you bring in? And uh, how, how many can we put between the pages of OK Magazine so that they can then say, here's a celebrity wedding, it's Denise Welsh. And you go, oh, God, how dull and boring. You have a quick look at it, and then you put it back on the, uh, the shelf. Uh, if you're a bad driver, the chances are you've learned that from your dad. So... There you go. Most parents are passing on bad habits when giving their children driving lessons. I can understand that. I can understand that. Because you see your father driving with one hand and, you know, cigarettes, text. I saw somebody the other day, lorry driver, delivering. One of these uh, delivery drivers for a well-known supermarket. He was texting at the wheel. He was texting at the... I did I wanted... Oh, that's what I was going to tell you. I, I was... I, I got on the train yesterday. And uh, I'm sitting on the train, and all everybody had got off it, and it was deserted. Waterloo Station deserted. Me on the train, because I was on it probably about 15 minutes before it left, because it came in. So I'm sitting there. And I'm sitting, I'm reading my paper, reading my book, and then I look up, and a little bit further down the carriage, on the luggage rack, is a suit bag. And it only reinforced what I was saying the other day, that people get on a train. And you know when you go to the lost property office, there's people with, you know, lost limbs in there. There's false lim- False legs. Cameras, you know, bags, all sorts of things, parcels. But it was the limbs I was always intrigued by. How you could ever get off a train by leaving your false leg on it. How does that happen? But anyway, so I look up and I'm looking at somebody's suit bag. So I walk down the carriage. And this is about five minutes before the, before the train is due to depart. So I've been sitting on it for a good ten minutes by myself. 
Nobody else on there. For some reason, Waterloo Station is a bit deserted at the moment. People seem to now get on at Clapham Junction. I don't know why, but anyway. So I'm, I'm about to take a picture to tweet of somebody going, look, another buffoon has left his suit on the luggage rack. And there were two hangers in there. So I sort of lifted it off and looked at it. It was a suit. Put it back on the luggage rack. Just then a bloke walks in the door. So I'm sort of walking back down, sit, sit down in my seat. He, he walks onto the train and he looks up and he comes and picks up the suit and walks off the train. And I wanted to say to him, are you particularly dumb? How have you managed to get on the train with a suit bag, put it in the overhead locker thing, you know, just on the, on the shelf, and then get off the train and not remember you walked on the train with a suit bag? But, I mean, he looked reasonably sensible, but quite clearly he wasn't. He was obviously bluffing. I thought maybe he'd come from The Apprentice, because they're a bit like that as well, aren't they? They don't know whether... Because we got rid of the bloke with the eyebrows yesterday. Oh, thank God for that. And yet we've still got that old fraud, Louisa. The one who bought herself, whose husband bought her the lady title, so that she can try and get upgraded on Virgin Flights, as if they're impressed by things like that. They're not impressed by that, that kind of stuff, at all. Oh, and Holly Willoughby, how much is she earning? Million pounds a year. I think that's a very, very conservative estimate. Uh, her, her company, which is called... Company, it's called Peaches Productions. Um, they say showed... £980,000 in 2012. So in the last 12 months, she's made over another million. So she's doing an average of a million. They say this is made up of £400,000 a year from The Voice. And strangely enough, the programme she does the most work on this morning is £250,000 a year. So the BBC are just wasting money for somebody who appeared on screen. What was it the first time? A minute. A minute. And that was worth something like £40,000. I mean, showing that the BBC are totally out of touch with any sort of salaries at all. She's also fronted campaigns for toothpaste, the Windows phone, she's got her own range of dresses, and she's written a children's book. She's got to be near on £2 million a year. I don't know how they've managed to get away with just a million. I mean, it's not possible. So if it's 400000 from The Voice, that's 650000 What are they saying? 350000 for an advert for toothpaste? I would think that alone could be worth 300000 Easily. And the Windows phone, her own range of dresses, that's got to be worth at least, at least a few hundred thousand pounds a year, at least. I think that's an underestimate. I think it's an underestimate. I think she's earning at least two million pounds a year. At the, at the, very, at the very minimum. You're just, just working on how much people earn on television. I mean, if the BBC are dumb enough to pay £400,000, that's their problem. I couldn't care less. But the, uh, the dresses must sell well. She's allowed to wear them on this morning, thus advertising her own company. But Simon, Simon Cowell's able to advertise his own company on television, isn't he? It's a programme designed by Simon Cowell. Uh, ITV pays Simon Cowell for it, and it benefits Simon Cowell. That's like the Andrew Lloyd Webber thing. Andrew Lloyd Webber puts on a show in London... The BBC fund a show for Andrew Lloyd Webber to put bums on seats to make Andrew Lloyd Webber money. It's like watching Dragon's Den. Four very rich people sit there on a free programme given to them by the BBC so they can make even more money. Do they pay the BBC for this? No. They just sit there and argue among themselves. Uh, More on this uh, Julie Bailey. This is the whistleblower for the, NH- uh, for the NHS who exposed the Mid-Staffordshire scandal. You remember yesterday I mentioned the fact her mother's grave had been desecrated. She's been hounded out of town. And either some pretty stupid people. She said she was in a supermarket and some woman screamed so loudly at her, this woman said, your mother was going to die anyway. I'd have that woman incarcerated immediately. I'd put her in prison. These people are too stupid for their own good. Who knows what desecrate? What she was doing was a favour. To everybody. She was exposing the scandal in the mid-Staffordshire NHS. And people were abusing her. 
need to get their brains in order. These are probably the same people who set fire to a paediatrician's house thinking it was a paedophile. You remember that one in Portsmouth? But you know what I said? The further down the country you go, the dumber they become, ladies and gentlemen. It's 5.15. News headlines with Dan Whitehead. The government will reveal details of one... Back this morning from 7, LBC 97.3. And Nick and the team, as the Chancellor announces, he's to look at the case for Crossrail 2 in London. Nick will be asking, will that be good for Londoners? And giving LBC reporter Tom Swarbrick a very special challenge. Plus another unmissable edition of Call Clegg as the Deputy Prime Minister takes your calls and gives his reaction to the week's news. Looking at the papers today, Glenn O'Glaser, former Sky News political correspondent. Actually, I'm sure that Glenn O'Glaser, years and years ago, was, a, was a, one of LBC's correspondents. I'm pretty, pretty certain. Pretty certain. I can't remember everything, but sometimes we get things uh, right. Um, there's another, um, another disabled con man. This is Barry Brooks, who insists on being called Sir Barry. He pocketed, trousered... £1.8 million in disability benefits while uh, living uh, on holiday. He claimed he was so disabled and weak he couldn't pick up a telephone. In fact, he's a fat fraudster, ugly as well, who drove a string of prestigious cars, ran his own motorcycle shop and performed beach ball tricks for pals. He was filmed serving meals in a pub, carrying plumbing equipment and dive-bombing into a swimming pool while scrounging. He claimed... uh, Wait for this one. This is how easy it is to rip the government off. It's not difficult at all. £29,000 a month he was getting under the government's access to work scheme. With two co-fraudsters, he pocketed £1.88 million for submitting bogus claims for travel, support staff, office equipment for themselves and for disabled employees at the bogus firm they ran called Access Audit Corporation. Claims were even submitted for daily taxi fares in his name while he was holidaying in Thailand and Gran Canaria. He tried to claim a Rolls-Royce and a Jaguar bearing the personalised number plate Baz belonged to his father John and couldn't be seized as the proceeds of crime. And all he's been made to pay back is £270,000. Anyway, the judge said the Jaguar and the Rolls-Royce were used by the defendant for foreign trips and there was evidence to suggest he arranged the finance for the purchase. He's declined to appear today and put forward no evidence to support the claims at all. So he's got to repay 268000 he tried to claim four houses registered in his name belonged to relatives, but uh, he didn't uh, attend Southwark Crown Court to back up, and he's all been ordered to repay this money or face a further three years in prison. So I'm hoping they're actually going to send him to prison, and, uh, and then a further three years will be good, actually. You fat little fraudster. You're going to prison. You're going to stay there. You're going to stay there. Uh, still watching the case in South Africa this morning, uh, 24 minutes past five, for Nelson Mandela. Uh, as you know now, Barack Obama is over. I'm not sure if he's actually seen Mr Mandela at the moment. But if anything happens, we'll let you know first, OK? Uh, the LBC Gadget giveaway, if you've just woken up this morning, and hey, it's, it's not going to be a bad day. It's been overcast yesterday. I was a bit surprised. I thought the weather could have been a little bit better. I must water the baskets again today. Uh, Darren Ferris from Homerton was yesterday's winner uh, because he got the pair of Sennheiser Headphones, really top-of-the-range headphones, really nice, to celebrate the fact that Sennheiser was sponsoring the David Bowie exhibition at the V&A, and he got the book as well. Today, it's a great laptop, the Acer E1, a great all-rounder, home, office, comes with Windows 8 preloaded, and you could get your hands on it at 6.30 this morning. So one lucky listener will win the Acer E1 laptop today by answering this question. Which brand has the advertising slogan... Taste the Rainbow. Which brand has the advertising slogan, Taste the Rainbow? To enter, text the word gadget 
followed by your answer, and send it to 84850. So gadget, then your answer, and then you send that to 84850 before 6.30 this morning. The text costs pound fifty plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered, but may still be charged. We play across the LBC network. Full terms and conditions online at lbc.co.uk. That bottle of water's managed to make its way into all the Wimbledon press things. We notice it's almost like it's super glued to the counter in front of them. I know every time that they do a, a presser for Wimbledon on the tent, they're all complaining about the grass, aren't they? Saying it's very slippery. Well, you know, grow up and smell the coffee, I'm afraid, as far as I'm concerned. Lots of people complaining about the grass. We'll be finding out a little bit later on whether it is slippery grass. I'd love to know why the, it's so, they're so regimented. They get pushed around, these tennis players. But then if you're earning that kind of money, I suppose you've got to push them around and teach them a lesson. You know, go sit, sit there, wear this outfit. They all have to do it because that's what you kind of sign up to. If you don't, if you don't do it, they probably don't want you there ever again. But I want to know, who, who is the top man at Wimbledon? Who is the boss? Is there a boss of Wimbledon? Who's like, no, it's not you, dear. But who is, who is the top man? I want to know how Bruce Forsyth, lovely though he is, how does he get to sit in the Royal Box? Are you invited? Do they go, oh, um, uh, Stephen Fry, do you want to sit in the Royal Box? Yeah, you can go in the Royal Box. Does somebody phone up and go, Stephen Fry's coming to Wimbledon today. Uh, he will be sitting in the Royal Box, won't he? Because they've got Brucey at 80-something. He's still, he's still as sprightly as ever. His wife looks stunning, actually. She doesn't seem to age at all, his wife. Is it? Well, Nelia. She just she doesn't look any different. Every time I look at a picture of her, her bosom might have got a little bit bigger. But, I mean, that's, that's the only thing I've noticed. Actually, talking of bosoms getting bigger, Elizabeth Taylor's first wedding dress has just been sold at auction. Uh, it was the first of her eight trips down the aisle. Who'd have known that most of Hollywood would have had a quick go at old Elizabeth Taylor? But, anyway, there she was. Uh, the estimate was £30,000. It went for £122,000, proving that there is still... She was just 18 when she wore it, and it was to Conrad Hilton from the Hilton thing. Nothing at all to do with Paris. She's nothing to do with the Hilton group, OK? They just carry the name. Her father's an estate agent, OK? They sold the chain anyway. She didn't get a penny piece, because it's nothing to do with her. She's not an heiress to the Hilton fortune, OK? Don't, don't ever get it wrong with Paris. The poor, poor creature has to actually do something for a living. Anyway, this lovely dress, cream-coloured, seed-pearl-encrusted, with a... Um, a clinched waist gown by the legendary costume designer Helen Rose, who did Grace Kelly's uh, Princess of Monaco bridal dress, was worn in 1950. Isn't it amazing that they keep these things? Because she married eight times, but really seven, because she married Richard Burton twice. That's why they say eight. Uh, she was 79 when she died. I think it's lovely that they that they keep these dresses. I'm amazed that people have actually got all these items. Nothing gets thrown out. I've always been a big advocate of keeping as many things as possible. And I like the idea that somewhere in, in America, there are people who hoard everything. You know that there is a whole warehouse full of all Michael Jackson and the Jackson 5 stage costumes going back to when they first started. This man has got everything. He's got all the programmes. He's got all the outfits. Everything that they wore. Everything. How you end up with that, I don't know. Debbie Reynolds herself, as you know, sold off a little tiny bit of her collection, and that raised, I think, over £10 million. She's got everything, including clothes from The Sound of Music. She's got just everything. Just ever. I've never seen anything like it. And it all came up a short while ago, which is good. Up with the, uh, the larks again, which is lovely. That's uh, Guinevere and Trelawney in Belsize Square. Not as exciting as it sounds, is it, really? <laughs> I've been there. Uh, lovely evening at Kempton Park. Good turnout. Two winners, says little Julie for me. Poor Winnie didn't do well at all. We have nice places in Felton. We have the revamped shopping area with a few well-known high street shops and, of course, a Starbucks. Dreadful. Things people say about Felton, little Julie. It's disgraceful. 
Honestly, I've got nothing. Terrible, honestly. Terrible. Uh, 84850. Stephen says, uh, just on to get the Virgin service to Vegas. Staying in Treasure Island. All right. But really hope to see Penn and Teller. Yeah, they're just over the bridge. You just go over the bridge and they're at the... It's not the... Is it the Rio? Penn and Teller on? I can't remember. Anyway, it's a good show. It's worth seeing. And, uh, And to go to the top of the stratosphere. Need to eat loads or need to eat loads of meat. Hopefully I should get LBC. Well, you can, but you will definitely come back heavier from Las Vegas. The food portions are enormous. Absolutely enormous. And just remember that if you ask for, for crisps, you'll get chips. And if you ask for chips, you get crisps. It's all very confusing over there. And, I, and, and for God's sake, don't ask for a fag. It'll never be the end of it. Uh, but you'll love it. It'd be very hot. You will be burnt to a crisp. So my advice is take Sun Factor 3000 because it's boiling over there. Absolutely boiling. 84850, uk. We'll take a short break for the uh, news headlines. And then uh, more from the papers. As I say, everybody blaming the grass at Wimbledon. And uh, Nick Ferrari will be looking at that with a tennis correspondent a little bit later on this morning, just after, probably about, about uh, half past seven, something like that. And, of course, it's called Clegg today. This is LBC 97.3, the time now, 5.30. Biggest conversation with Steve Allen. I'm trying to put lots of pieces together on Mandela. We've just been having a long discussion on, on how close the end is for him. And the reason you say that is that Zuma has cancelled um, uh, a meeting today. He's cancelled a trip out. He went to see him last night. And Obama, if you remember, yesterday was saying he'll be there on Friday. Well, he's managed to get there today. So I reckon either... And they know these things, don't they? They know these things in hospital. Somebody's being, you know, looked after. They know. And people go through various stages. And that's how you know... You know, when the end is near for somebody. He's 94, he's had this ill health. This is, what, third time in hospital this year. He's been in, in three times, and it's it's very difficult. But I, And the family have been backwards and forwards, and now they're talking about where they're going to bury him. I mean, the end must be surely in sight, even though it's. I, I think it's either today or tomorrow. Judging by the way people are cancelling trips, you know, Zuma's not going to, you know, have a trip go ahead if he thinks that Mandela is is going to pass away in the next few hours. So I I think either it's it's going to be some point today. I've just got a you know you just get a feeling he was doing so well the other well, one not doing so well but he was he was certainly you know clinging on to life. He was able to open his eyes when they said you know Obama's going to visit. And I think I think that will be it. I think that will be it. I mean th- I mean it's either two two trains of thought at the moment. Either he has passed away, which is what the the internet is saying. And they're holding it until they get to a, a reasonable time. Or failing that, he's literally in the last stages. Either way, we'll, we'll tell you first on LBC. They keep saying he's critical. I don't know how long, because I'm not medically qualified, how long you can keep saying somebody is critical um, for things like that. So I'm, I'm not too sure how long somebody could go on. I mean, either way, he's done pretty well. He's done pretty well with his life so far. I mean, it's, you know, he's had... He's been adored by millions... And he was given the freedom of Brent, was it, the other day? I'm not sure he's thrilled with that. To be honest with you, the cynical side of it is going, they've given him the freedom of Brent. This was something that was mooted over 20 years ago, and the council have only just decided. Is it, he's in his last, you know, last few days or hours or weeks or whatever it happens to be of his life, and he gets freedom of Brent. That'll be thrilling. Perhaps he's going, perhaps I'll do a bit of shopping there. A bit of shopping. In his mind, he can probably do loads of shopping. Whatever it is, he's, he's entitled to a rest. 
He's, uh, he's, he's managed to cram a lot in, hasn't he? He has managed to cram a lot in. 94, for goodness sake. But if anything happens, I'll, I'll let you know. But at the moment, uh, the images on the television are of uh, him celebrating his 90th birthday. To be honest with you, he looks better at 94 than he did uh, when he was 90. It's the arguing within the family now. That, and also, I was, I was thinking to myself the other day, would he have a lot of money? They never, he, he certainly never seems to look as though he's got a lot of money. Certainly a fairly big, extended family. Winnie Mandela went round the other day. That's the last person you want to see, isn't it? Um, heard you talk about snoring, says Sarah. There was a gentleman on the train the other day snoring so loudly I had to move seats. If I was sitting next to him, I would have felt the urge to give him a good nudge. But I really do dislike snoring with a passion. Apparently, I've been told I don't snore. I squeak. Oh, no. I think I have snored in my time. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you and say I don't think I've snored, because I think most people have at some point. And I've, I think I've woken myself up with snoring. I think, you know, when you've had one of those particularly heavy sessions, you've been on the Lucasade or something like that, or Tango, or whatever it is, and then you, you kind of sort of lose the will to live, don't you? Uh, 84850, and uh, answer Mark, no, you're not. No, you can't. OK, it's only for people here. That's why the terms and conditions are on lbc.co.uk, because the gadget giveaway is the Acer E1. Now, as I say, I don't think you even know the answer to this question. To win yourself the Acer E1, the great laptop, which comes with Windows 8 preloaded. You, you could get your hands on it at 6.30 this morning. It'd be nice if we're reading out your name tomorrow, isn't it? Same as we've read out Darren Ferris's name from Homerton. Sounds lovely, Homerton. I used to vi- live in a village called Hompton years ago. It's nowhere near Homerton, I have to tell you. It's way up north. So the Acer E1 can be yours, provided you know the answer to this question. Which brand has the advertising slogan, Taste the rainbow. For this, for this one, text the word gadget, G-A-D-G-E-T, followed by your answer, and send it to 84850 to get here before 6.30 this morning. The text costs £1.50, plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered, but may still be charged. We're playing across the LBC network. Full terms and conditions online at lbc.co.uk. Good luck. Good luck. Uh, don't forget, this weekend for In Conversation, it's Steve Carell, the voice of Gru in Despicable Me 2. It's really good. I'm currently watching the first one. I was so taken by the second one that I bought the first one, where he's a different character. He's, he's changed a bit. He's a nice person in, in the second one. But it's so clever. You've got to see it at the cinema. I've watched the first one. No, you're not borrowing it. You're not having it. Goodness sake. <laughs> I've already seen it. Oh, get you. Big up you. I've already seen it, she says, you know. Like she's also got a donor card, like anybody wants anything of hers. But anyway, so, um, so yeah, so, what was I doing? Yeah, so, very good character. I like, I like, I do like Gru. I think he's very nice. Of course, you've got the voice of Russell Brand in there. In fact, I didn't know it was Russell Brand to start with, but on reflection, listening to the first one, you know it's Russell Brand. But we talk about the whole process of making these films, where the, there is no film until he's done all the voice. And then they do the film because it's all been scripted. It's quite clever, and he never meets anybody. So he never met Russell Brand, never met Julie Andrews, who's got a cameo role in it. But now I know it's Russell Brand. Now I can, now I can hear it's Russell Brand. It's quite, it's, it's quite clever, really. But anyway, very good. Despicable Me too, which I think opens this Monday. So Steve Carell with us on Sunday morning, a clip tomorrow morning on the programme. And the lovely Anita Dobson, married to Brian May, and they've been married for, I forget how many years she said now, but something ludicrous. But he's the same as me. Well, I mean, it's the same as me in so much as we both hoard things. He hoards things. And that's why, she said, we need a big house for for all the stuff that he's hoarded. And, of course, the older you get, the more stuff you hoard. I mean, I could happily live in a warehouse. 
I could, seriously, I could put it all in corners. That'd, that'd be the exciting thing for me. So we'll have clips uh, tomorrow on the programme for them for Sunday morning for In Conversation. But also Simon Day. We'll have a clip of him a little bit later on this morning. He opens in The Lady Killers at the Vaudeville Theatre. And I think that's on Monday. Signs are right. It looks wonderful. It really does. The set's great. He said the set is absolutely fantastic. So that'll be one to go and see. If you like, a, if you like, a, if you've seen the film, then you're definitely going to like the stage play. It's been in the West End before now. Uh, some great news as well for Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. That got some really good reviews. There was a couple of lukewarm reviews, but the, but the majority of the reviews for Willy Wonka were great. So it's going to be one. If the kids have seen the film, take them to see the show. David Romford says, uh, he says, the noisy foxes have kept me away. Do you know, I wouldn't hear a fox. What sort of noise do they make? But it says here, the, the bonus is I can't get back to sleep, but I get to listen to the programme, which is fantastic. Um, and uh, went to Bromley, says Philip. They had a sniffer dog in the shopping centre. <laughs> Lovely. Um, I'm a bus driver, Steve. I, saw, I see people walk on with children and walk off leaving them. And I'm, this is going back to people losing stuff on trains. And, of course, the big joke was people who leave false limbs, like false arms. And false legs. And I think, well, would it, do you not realise when you stand up and fall over that maybe something's missing? Or you go to grab hold of something and you suddenly realise that you don't have the arm on. They, they find all these things on trains. So the day before it was the man with the big suitcase on wheels who came running back up the platform. I was expecting to show, no, no. <clears throat> Playing tennis at the same time. And, uh, and he sort of wheeled his suitcase off. And yesterday, bloke with a suit. And he looked quite normal. Well, relatively normal for somebody on a train. You know, they don't all look normal, it has to be said. Uh, a big hello to the staff and patients on Gaskill Ward at the Northwick Park Hospital. And uh, that was Heather who went there. Special hello to Joan Perry and Mrs Kakula. It's nice, isn't it? I know Northwick Park Hospital very well indeed. They used to have, at Northwick Park Hospital, I don't know if they still got it, they used to do animal testing there. They used to do, um, they used to have a laboratory down there at Northwick Park. And I know that because a friend of mine worked there. He worked in this laboratory with monkeys and uh, and things like that. Well, there you go. I don't know if it's still there now. This was years ago. They'd probably find all these things move on. Uh, lots of stress. If you think you're going to Paris today, be warned the Eiffel Tower could be shut. I mean, you don't have to necessarily go up the Eiffel Tower to prove you can take pictures of it, and that looks quite good. And also, if you're going to Rome, the Colosseum could be shut. Which is, it could only be good news. You have to put up those ghastly people dressed as centurions outside. <gasps> It's, a, it's like here, we've got these ghastly living statues all over London and ghastly musicians, and it really cheapens the place. Horrible people, they really are. No, somebody sits there, it's a, because we, yesterday, because we had Dynamo in the building and he was doing that thing going round London with his arm on, resting on the top of the bus. Looks slightly odd to me. And in fact, it even made Fox News this morning where they said, and this is a young man called Dynamo, and he was going around London on a bus. And then they had reaction down, you could tell it was like, ah! <gasps> People like that, because he had one hand on the bus. But I remember thinking, either his arm's gone very rigid. You know, it was, it was quite clear it's a trick, isn't it? I mean, you know, he can't really put his hand on the top of a bus and go along. And then they showed you somebody who does it in America, putting his hand on a wall, and they show you how that one worked. And then, even on Fox News, the woman there intimated how she thought it was done. I just shouldn't, shouldn't imagine she was too far from the truth either. So, uh, so that's Dynamo. But it's, this film, I've never seen so many film crews for one person. But uh, I said yesterday, he's only doing tricks that loads of other magicians do. It's just that because he's flavour of the month at the moment, everybody has their, their time to be magician of the year. And it's his turn 
to be magic. You might find next year it's somebody else. It'll be somebody else who's come from a, you know, a sink estate who was bullied. It's because he's young and he wears jeans. And people go, oh, he's so much like David Blaine. Well, you know how barking mad David Blaine is. That's very it. I remember that famous interview with Eamon Holmes where he sat there. Doctor the hand. And Eamon Holmes went, oh, right. <laughs> Even Eamon Holmes was a bit flummoxed by the whole thing. It was one of the oddest interviews I, don't, I think I've ever, uh, ever seen. Apparently, if you're a lady and you're in your 50s, you, um, you feel more confident now to put a bikini on. And so they've got a picture of Helen Mirren uh, wearing a, pi- a bikini at the age of 62. Now, it's great if you're slim. If you're a slim person, you can wear a bikini. But as you and I know, you can't if you're slightly overweight. And luckily, Helen Mirren, either she was terribly airbrushed in this thing, uh, or she managed to find a bikini big enough to hold her enormous bosoms. And, uh, and then she went the other thing. But she's quite slim. But then she's never been a, a fat person. But at 62, I mean, I should imagine, without any trouble at all, Barbara Windsor could still wear a bikini. I wouldn't think there'd be any problem there at all. I mean, she's only about this big. She's only tiny, t- well, a bit bigger than that. She's about that big. Quarter to six. With Steve Allen... A little package arrived in the uh, studio the other day from France, all the way from La Belle France. And it was from a lady called Katie. Katie Gardner lives over there. And uh, she sent me some sort of like rubber glove type things to do gardening. This is what apparently French ladies wear when, when they're gardening. And she says, I saw these and thought it protects their lily white skin. And what it is, it's like a piece of, you know, they used to get plastic tablecloths. Yeah, no, I don't think so. You used to get the plastic tablecloths in certain down-market establishments. Well, they've sort of made them into sort of like a thing that you put over your sleeve and they're elasticated at one end. And she said, I thought of you when you were talking about wearing your rubber gloves for gardening. Um, yeah. Well, the, the reason I wear... See, the trouble is, the reason why this isn't particularly good for me, and I'm, and I'm not decrying it in any way, shape or form, is I need to put rubber gloves on to stop dirt getting under my nails. My new nails, which I now have. Woo! Um, and so it's very nice, but I do feel as I'm a little bit... Rosemary and Time, that television programme, those two gardeners. She said, you so brighten up my day, so it's like a little thank you for cheering me up through a very, very difficult time. She said, even if you hate them, remember it's the thought that counts. Hmm, thank you. And also, <laughs> in my colour as well, pale blue with polka dots. I mean, I do look as I've watched it from, from a set of some French film. So thank you, Katie, very much indeed. I'm sure that I shall put them to good use. I'll give them to my friend Lynn. She'll wear something like that. She probably thinks it's a fashion accessory. But uh, she said they are made by a friend of mine. Handmade. Really? You don't say. <laughs> anyway, listen, as long as we get you through a bad time, I, I, I don't care. That's the good thing. <coughs> Brought me cough on now. I want you to know, on some days you feel like you've been smoking about 500 cigarettes. And I don't smoke, which is even more bizarre. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Johnny says, Dynamo, I find him annoying and in need of a good meal. When somebody is that street, I think probably (laughs) well-spoken. He says, you don't want to see Anne Widdicombe in a bikini, do you? Not really, no. I don't think they make them in her size. I don't think... I mean, that, that is a horrible thought, but I'm sure that there probably is a bikini that exists out there for somebody like Anne Woody. I think Anne Widdicombe, Widdy would be an all-in-one, wouldn't she? She she certainly wouldn't be wearing a, a onesie or anything like that. I mean, I think she'd be wearing sort of a sensible swimming costume. As indeed most people do, unless you're Mylene Class or somebody who's going abroad to promote your own fashion accessory range. So, Dynamo... No, he, he he's, he's definitely street... He definitely comes from, from, from the estate he says he does. And, I mean, whether he was bullied at school, I don't know. I mean, everybody was bullied at school, as far as I remember. I don't think there was anybody in our class who wasn't bullied. Even the bullies were bullied. So it, that's the way it goes. But, you know, you have to make up a story about somebody. You've got to find something to, to hang something on, to go, this is what they do. It's like when you see David Blaine 
He's doing exactly the same tricks as anybody else. Go down the Magic Circle. You can see people doing that all the time. I've taken, you know, we've had shows at the Magic Circle for charity. And people sit there with their jaws on the floor watching close-up magicians. And going, I, I swear to God, he, that card was a seven. I looked at it and he put his hand on it and it's now, it's now a queen or something. You know, things change in front of your eyes. And uh, it's just, just being particularly clever. And people go through all their lives messing around with magic. And then all of a sudden it hits and they just, they become obsessed with doing it. They might not be particularly good, some of them, but at least they've got guts. So what Dynamo's doing, there's nothing new in it. There's no, there's no risk to himself with any of these things. But they have to make out it is because that's what sells magic. You know, the, the public like the idea that somebody might lose their life during a, during a trick. So they, so they find it fascinating. David Blaine, you know, locked in a box. I think by Tower Bridge, wasn't it? The dullest thing I've ever seen. Who cares? Who cares? He stood on a pole, didn't he, in some place in America as well. But again, they're tricks. They're tricks. That's what it is. These people really can't hold their breath for 500 hours underwater. It just doesn't work like that, I'm afraid. Um, There's a new survey which finds that increasingly husbands and wives are enjoying taking separate holidays. So what people do is they go away with their friends. I can remember a woman on television, and she thought it was quite normal. Everybody else thought it was very odd. And every year, her husband went away with a woman from the office. And they went, don't you think that's odd? And she went, no. And they went, your husband goes away every year with a woman from the office. What, the same woman? Yeah. Do you not think they might be having an affair? She went, I don't think so. And I thought, that's the first thing I thought of. He's going away every year with this woman from the office. What do you think they're doing? But anyway... If you are going away with your friends, these are the rules for a harmonious break. If economically possible, book separate rooms. You don't want to discover that your best friend for ages all of a sudden snores like a hippopotamus. That you do not want. And you also, it gives you a break away from people. You can just say, I'm going to have a lie down. I do that. I say, listen, I'll I'll catch up with you in the bar at six o'clock. I'm going to go and have a lie down. That's what I would do. When we went on the ship, I could do that. Have a a discussion about what you want from your holiday. Do you want to go sightseeing? Do you not want to go sightseeing? I went to Bournemouth years ago with a friend of mine. (laughs) He couldn't get me up in the morning. I was so tired. I didn't want to get up in the morning. I'd be there in bed. You go, Stephen, come on. We've got to get up. We've got to go out and do something. Oh, I've got the energy. I haven't got the energy. Uh, make sure you both contribute ideas for the holiday, unless you like to be woken up every morning with, what shall we do today? Because then go, no, you decide. No, you decide. Well, what do you want to do? Oh, I don't mind, I'm easy. Well, what do you want to do? You end up with that, don't you? You end up with these horrible arguments about things. Oh, the Eiffel Tower is definitely closed. They call it a social dispute. So uh, if you're going to Paris today, you're not going up the Eiffel Tower, OK? Uh, agree on the amount of luggage and money that you each plan to take. And if you're hiring a car, make sure that your companion takes a licence as well so that you can split the driving. We did that when we did uh, America, three of us, and so we could split the driving. But then we fell out, and that's when we, that's when we sailed past the one place I wanted to go and see, San Simeon, because <laughs> we'd had an argument. <laughs> and I'm staring out the window thinking, I'm not going to say anything. He knows I want to go and see San Simeon, and we sailed straight past it. I was in such a bad mood. Uh, make it clear that you're taking your own sun cream, cosmetics and flip-flops. Can I borrow is just not an option. Oh, that, that's, oh, that's nice. Can I, could I, no, you can't. It's mine. It's like, you know, you're sitting there, you're in a restaurant, and you're with, with somebody, and they go, um, what would I do? I'll have steak and chips. And say, uh, I won't have any chips. I'll just have some of yours. No, you're not having some of mine. It's steak and chips. That's my portion of chips. Well, I'll, I'll just have one or two. No! Or if you want chips, order your own chips. 
Go to Scott's. They're £4.25. If you really want to spend that much money on chips. Uh, and to make sure you have similar levels of fitness. There's no good going on, on holiday with somebody who could cycle across Sardinia on a one-wheeled bicycle and you could barely get your leg over. You know, so just make sure. And if all else fails, take your husband, but book separate rooms. There you go. Because girls can do that. Blokes don't do it too well. Although a friend of mine, John, is actually going on holiday with uh, a load of his friends, who he thinks it'll be the last time that they do a bloke holiday. Because his friends are a lot older. They're about 27. And he said they're, they're, they're going to start thinking about getting married and stuff like that. There's a limit to how old you are when you go on a bloke's holiday. And they're going to Ibiza. They're going over there to San Antonio. Which I said I stayed at years ago at the Hotel Hawaii, uh, when it was all nice and quiet. There was nobody over there in those days. I mean, now apparently it's all party town, but looking a little bit run down, I'm afraid. Poor old people of Ibiza, but they managed to make loads of money out of it, year in, year out, and for ages. So he said this actually could be the last bloke's holiday. But it's so cheap. Flights there and back, and I think five, five nights in the hotel, three nights at the hotel, £220. That's, I mean, how do they do it for that price? The hotel must be rubbish. Must be absolute rubbish. He said, he said, admittedly, he said he thinks the hotel is going to be rubbish because I think a four star over in Spain is possibly um, about a one star over here. They have, they have a different grading, a different grading. It's very strange. Uh, apparently, noises of foxes are terrible. I've never heard anything. Feral cats, I've heard. And... Um, and Di says, I heard you mention Northwick Park Hospital. When I lived in Harrow, my sister worked there as an animal technician. She looked after the beagle dogs. They had mice, rats and guinea pigs there. I wonder if they still have. Um, well, a friend of mine had, there were monkeys there. I remember because I went there one day because it was in the days when uh, they were testing. I forget what they were testing on them, but it was all sorts of things. They used animal Animals for testing, for cosmetics and for medicine and stuff like that. And, uh, and, and people said, you know, there were lots of demonstrations and beagles being smuggled out because they were making beagles smoke and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, it was what it was. And it was in the, might have been in the 70s, actually. It was a friend of mine. He, he's nothing to do with it now. In fact, he's a broadcaster. Nothing at all to do with animal testing. But I remember going there and he showed me round because I'd, I'd never been in a place like that before. And it was in... The Northwick Park Hospital. So if Di remembers it as well, I must be right. Thank you very much indeed. It's uh, Steve Allen's Early Breakfast. This is LBC 97.3. There's one road in London that's got a speed camera on it. And this is an, uh, in Worcester. Not in London, don't beg your pardon. It's, it's New Road. And it's caught twenty two, nearly 23,000 drivers. So far it's netted £1.6 million. £1.6 million. And it's mainly... I mean, there's only, they've only had one accident on this bit of road. It's speeding. People speeding, people get um, uh, a fixed penalty. It's something like £60, I think. So it's not really about safety, it's about raking in money. And these speed cameras are very good. The one that they put as you came off the M4, they had to, in the days when they, they had to put film in the thing, it, the film was used up in the first hour because of so many motorists that they got. And on the, on the M4 coming into town, it's ridiculous. It comes down from 70 to all of a sudden to 50 and then 40. And you think, I mean, some people go sailing past me. It's quite worrying. News at six is next. On FM. The speculation around Nelson Mandela continues to grow. We spent most of our time in the breaks discussing all the things and saying how, how apropos it is that Barack Obama is in South Africa, almost as if, if Nelson Mandela dies while he's there... And as I say, Nelson Mandela is being kept alive on, on machines at the moment. If he's kept alive, then who better to have doing a speech than Barack Obama? 
you know, just to, to allay any fears in the country and to say, listen, if it wasn't for this man, I wouldn't be the president of the United States. And, and so it goes. I mean, I should imagine the speech has been written for months, months and months. It's very interesting, though, isn't it, that they happen to be in South Africa at this time, two first ever black presidents. Nelson Mandela, first ever black president of South Africa. Barack Obama, first black president of the United States of America. It's, it, it's by no coincidence that he's there in South Africa at the moment. Amazing. Actually, do you remember earlier on in the programme I mentioned uh, Barry? This is Barry Brooks, the uh, the bent con man, who pocketed £1.8 million and has been ordered to pay back 270000 He went to prison. I, I didn't read further into the article. I was assuming that he wasn't in, in prison, but he is. He's been sentenced to eight years last August for claiming that he was so disabled he couldn't pick up the telephone, whereas, in fact, he was perfectly fit and able and he was just able to cheat the system because they couldn't check on anything. It took them ages to find him. Anyway, they did find him, as, indeed, they find most people who cheat the benefits. And uh, this is what they've said now, that he'll, he'll face another three years in prison if he doesn't pay back £268,910. It's an odd amount of money, isn't it? I don't know how they've worked that bit out, but that's what they've worked out, and that's what he'll have to pay. Otherwise, he'll be in there for another three years. But that time, he'll be institutionalised. Um, now, this coming Sunday on LBC, we have our In Conversation. Ironically, we can't run three. I wish we could, because the three guests that we could have had for this weekend have all got productions opening on the Monday. One is Anita Dobson who's over at the Riverside Studios. One is Steve Carell, who's been in the country, as you know, doing his interviews. And my interview was done, uh, not this week, but last week with him. He had, a, at the end of a very, very busy day. So we're going to play Anita Dobson and Steve Carell this coming Sunday, because Despicable Me 2 is out at cinemas. See it at the cinema for the sound and the 3D and everything else. And then the other person who is opening uh, this week in The Lady Killers is actor Simon Day. So I've been catching up with a lot of people for In Conversation, and there really isn't enough time to tell you about every single one of them. So what I want to do is give you a little tease. You might recognise this one, this gentleman from The Fast Show, or perhaps just from the comedy circuit. So now he's in his final rehearsals for the revamp production of The Lady Killers at the Vaudeville Theatre, alongside Ralph Little and Con O'Neill. It opens uh, this weekend. The one and only Simon Day. And when we caught up, he told me... How he got into the business? Comedy summit I did from a young age because um, you want to be accepted and you want to be the funny kid. I did all the Monty Python sketches in school, so mm. I wouldn't get beaten up. It came out of that really, and uh, you hone your craft, don't you? I didn't start till I was late, so I was twenty nine. By then, I had quite an interesting life, so I was perfect sort of fodder for a stand up, really. And you've also got the face. You've got one of these what I call character actor type faces. Yeah, people seem to recognise me. They don't know my name, but they, they I certainly seem to recognise now more than ever. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I say to somebody, I've got Simon Day coming, they go, oh, right, and you go, him. They go, oh, right. I, I know. Yeah, I get a lot of that. In fact, I, I seem to be recognised more now than ever. Yeah, I've been on telly properly for sort of 10, 15 years, so it's a strange one, that. It certainly is. We also talked about uh, Simon's forthcoming role in The Lady Killers, and there appears to be a little bit of rivalry between the original cast and the current second cast. They did three months for the first cast. We're back now for six months for the second cast. This cast is way better than the first. Um, we've totally revamped it. We're obviously, yeah, we're like we're like the Manchester United B team, aren't we? We're like, we're like the under twenty ones. We're coming up, not like the England twenty ones, obviously. Uh, that's a terrible uh, analogy. But yeah, we're trying to make it better than they did it in the nicest possible way. Um, so who, who, whose character are you taking? I'm playing the major. Right. And, uh, yeah, it's a great character for me because it's a bit like some of the characters I've done. He's an old sort of con man. He's about 50, which is my age anyway. 
Uh, we got Connor Neal playing yeah. Louis, who Richard is absolutely terrifying. Yeah, and he's 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 just brilliant. And uh, Ralph Little, yeah, playing the Spiv, and he's been off doing quite a few plays. So he's he's you know, he surprised me, you know, because you, you see someone on telly when they're seventeen. That's how old he was when he did the Royal Family. Yeah. I wonder what he'll be like. Very good indeed. Lady Killers is on at the Vaudeville Theatre. That was Simon Day. And uh, there'll be more from Simon Day, not this week, but next week, on In Conversation. So this weekend, it's Steve Carell from Despicable Me 2, and Anita Dobson as well, who'll tell us about Brian May and his hoarding habits and other stuff. We'll have some clips from both of those interviews on tomorrow's programme. Tomorrow I'll be recording as well Bradley Walsh. I think he's back with another series of Law & Order. I'm still watching that, that, uh, that quiz show, and I'm still not knowing the answers to lots of things. I'm terrible at some of these quiz shows. I'm doing my best. I'm quite good. This morning, I still haven't worked out the answer, I'm afraid, to my gadget competition at all. And the LBC gadget giveaway today is the Acer laptop, the E1, which is a, a great all-rounder for you to either use at home or in the office. Comes with Windows 8, preloaded. You could get your hands on it by 6.30 this morning. So one lucky listener will win the Acer E1 laptop today by answering this question. Which brand has the advertising slogan, Taste the Rainbow. Which brand has the advertising slogan, Taste the Rainbow? I'm still number-wise. <laughs> to enter, text the word gadget, G-A-D-G-E-T. It's very important you put that word at the beginning. Then your answer, and then you send it to 84850. Got to get here before 6.30 this morning, so you've got about 15 minutes. Text costs pound fifty plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered, but may still be charged. We play across the LBC network. Full terms and conditions online at lbc.co.uk. Go for it, because it's, it's really... You can never have too many laptops, as far as I'm concerned. The more laptops would be, uh, would be very advisable. So the kids can have one, you can give one to granny or whatever. Um, I stopped wearing a bikini, Steve, uh, at the age of 27 and still a size 10. However, my 61-year-old, 4-foot-9-inch, 18-and-a-half-stone sister-in-law just purchased one in lemon... And white. <sighs> a little bit scary, isn't it, I suppose? But, very interestingly enough, and he's always the first one, Pip Schofield, always the first one to jump to Holly Willoughby's defence, because 139 people complained about her dress on The Voice. I've got no idea why. <laughs> to be honest with you, it looked perfectly acceptable to me. And I'm always the first one to complain if somebody's not wearing the right outfit. I like to see people dressed up on television. They're earning enough money, for God's sake. And so Philip Schofield texted and basically said, you know, these people... God help them if they go to the beach on holiday this year. There's going to be people in bikinis. Look out. You know, he's, he's quite right. So right about the magic circle, says Kevin the Milkman. I love the evening that Sam and myself had there at one of your shows. The stage magic, magic was brilliant. The close-up magic in the bar was fantastic. I would strongly recommend it. It is because it's being done under your nose. When you see something on television, you see a picture in a newspaper of somebody doing a magic trick. It doesn't have the same impact as if you can literally watch. And you, I've seen people stare. I, I did meet a lady once. She was on the cruise ship and she was watching a magician uh, friend of mine who had to be performing. And she'd been to every single show to try and work out how he did something. It was annoying her so much that she couldn't work out exactly how he did something. So she said to us, because she, she saw us talking to him afterwards, and she said, uh, I've, I've been to every single one of his shows, she said, to find out how he did it. His name is Russ Stevens, incidentally. He was a young magician of the year many years ago, appeared on Blue Peter, and he's now got a company that, uh, that do magic DVDs and things like that. But uh, he was on our cruise. Oh, nobody was more surprised than me. I didn't know he was going to be on the cruise ship, which went, Steve, and I went, Russ, 
How strange is that? Middle of the ocean and somebody turns up you haven't seen for ages. 14 minutes past six. LBC 7.3. And coming up with Nick Ferrari at seven this morning for breakfast as the Chancellor announces he's to look at the case for Crossrail 2 in London. Nick will be asking, will that be good for Londoners? And giving LBC reporter Tom Swarbrick a very special challenge. Plus another unmissable edition of Call Clegg as the Deputy Prime Minister takes your calls and gives his reaction to the week's news. Glenn O'Glaser, the political journalist, is looking at the papers for Nick this morning. You've got nine minutes left to get your entries in for the gadget giveaway, to get your hands on that great laptop, the Acer E1, which is preloaded with Windows 8. Uh, But I must mention the fact that uh, another year has gone by, and again, uh, the London Taxi Drivers Fund for underprivileged children are today, even as we speak, taking 300, count them, 300 special needs and underprivileged children in a convoy of 100 decorated London taxis to South End on Sea for a fun day out. So this year, this is the 85th anniversary of their challenge. And uh, Raymond Levy, Levy, I never know, Raymond. I always get it wrong every time, don't I? Whose wife, Maureen, adores me. Uh, are pleased to say that they aim to leave from London's Victoria Park around 10 o'clock this morning. And so if you spot this colourful convoy going through town, which you will, there's 100 decorated taxis, uh, could you give them a wave? You know, because there's a lot of, lot of children who are going to enjoy their day out. They've done it for such a long time now. 300 special needs and underprivileged children. And all the drivers have given up their day's work to enrich these children's lives. They'll be decorating their cabs between 6 and 6.30 this morning, so it'll be balloons and streamers and everything, just to make sure they have a, a great day. And without the drivers, you couldn't actually have these outings, so 100 have given up. So just be warned, there's going to be 100 short on the streets of London today. And what they do is they drive all the way down there, and the kids get lunch in South End, and then it's off to Adventure Island for a fun-filled afternoon, and then they return for tea and a disco. He says, I hope we have a dry day. I can predict a dry day for you. In fact, there's only, I said, a good chance of rain this evening. It will clear, but that's this evening. And so you're going to get an 18 degrees. It should be good for you. So the London Taxi Drivers Fund for Underprivileged Children and their 300 special needs and underprivileged children in the convoy of 100 decorated cabs leading, leaving from London's Victoria Park around 10am this morning. So if you see them through London, give them away. There'll be lots of hooting and everything else. And the kids will have a great day out. They love it. They absolutely love it. And just remember, they haven't got what you've got. OK? That's why they're going down there today. So thanks to all the drivers and everybody else. I hope they have a lovely... I wonder what... Is it going to be fish and chips? If it's fish and chips, I'm coming. And then down to Adventure Island. So they they have a a great day out, and well done, Raymond. And uh, love to the wife as well, because she does adore me. And that's uh, that's all I can can hope for in life. And hope you all have a a great day out. So well done. But they will be decorating the cabs, even as I speak. (laughs) Balloons and, as I say, I don't know how they decorate them, actually. But no doubt tomorrow there'll be lots of pictures in the the papers of all these uh, cabs. What if you actually get a, a... a photo with all 100 cabs in it. I don't think you could manage that, could you, really? But it sounds wonderful. Uh, 8 for a 5 oh, Steve at LBC. I'm sure you're being very modest, Steve. and would be very, be very good at quizzing. You should have a word with Bradley Walsh about Celebrity Chase. I was lucky enough to have a go on the standard version. It was good fun. I even managed to win a bet with my son by answering Justin Bieber and Elephant. There you go. I'm, I'm, I don't think I would be any good at that. Some some quizzes I'm quite good at. Some, some Most of the quizzes I'm rubbish, I'm afraid. Absolute rubbish. Five minutes left. To get your entries in to get your hands on my Acer laptop. It is lovely. 
It is absolutely lovely. And it can be yours today. Preloaded with Windows 8. And you get your hands on it at 6.30. 6.30, the lines close automatically. All you need to know is which brand has the advertising slogan, Taste the Rainbow. Text the word gadget, then your answer, and send it to 84850 before 6.30 this morning. The text will cost pound fifty plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered, but may still be charged. We play across the LBC network. Full terms and conditions online at lbc.co.uk. Uh, lovely piece in uh, one of the papers today, actually, The Express. Well, firstly, the good news that we've kicked out uh, Alex, the one with the strange eyebrows, another fraud, I think, on The Apprentice. They're all people who are just bluffing it. And it depends how much they bluff it. Sadly, they, they've kept Louisa on, the biggest fraud on the, on the programme, I'm afraid. Uh, but there's a great piece on Kenny Rogers. You picked divine time to leave me, Lucille. Islands in the stream that... You put it up your thing, hair. Ruby, are you contemplating going out somewhere? He's 74, and he's over here because he's playing Glastonbury. They always put somebody on every year who you go, good grief. I interviewed Kenny uh, Rogers once. I love Kenny Rogers. 74, honestly. I wonder if I know anybody around that age around this building. I wonder. 74, it's a funny age, isn't it, really? But anyway, he talks about his incredible career, which it has been, his failed marriages, and his plastic surgery regrets. There's probably people around here who've got plastic surgery regrets, I shouldn't wonder. You know, I'd love to go through the newsroom and just wander through, floor by floor, ladies and gentlemen, and line them all up against the wall on who's had cosmetic surgery in the building. I've never had it. I mean, I'm not that kind of person. But the good news is that the producer has a donor card. So if there's any part of your body you're after in particular, just let us know and we'll see if we can arrange it for you. And Oh, you're not selling the part? Oh, I, I do beg your pardon. I thought you were selling. I'm so sorry. I've obviously got it completely wrong. She's donating when she apparently passes on. Which is good, isn't it? But she went to see the um, the gay biopic beyond the candelabra, behind the candelabra, to the sideway of the candelabra, the candelabra, anything, and she thoroughly enjoyed it. And she said she only went because I because I mentioned it, which I think is great. Is oh they've moved the bottle of water. Look in the press thing, the bottle of water has moved. For, oh, it's gone again. There's a good turn around. It's not your joke. And they've moved the bottle of water. It was super glued to one side, and then it appeared on the other side of the screen. Well, that's exciting. Anyway, so the producer was saying she only went to see behind the candelabra because I mentioned it. As I've mentioned about you resigning for ten years, you've taken no notice of that one. So, uh, but she has got a donor card. I don't have a donor card. I've got a Visa Mastercard on me. Don't have a. Don- I don't think there's any part of my body anybody will want after I've gone. Most of it's well used, I'm afraid. Anyway, listen. Uh, two minutes left to get your entries into the competition. Do do it. I want to mention your name on the programme for tomorrow morning. I just. I think it's it's our bounden duty. To be nice to everybody, as well, as nice as we can be on the programme. And um, very quickly, uh, one... Oh, I forgot to do this one, actually. It's too long. I'm going to have to I'm gonna have to do these tomorrow. I don't know why I didn't do it, actually. Uh, so agree about The Voice, says Paul in Manchester, but needing a new presenter. As they're both so chronically underused by ITV, why not Pip Schofield and Peter Andrex? Then you'd save a few quid as Toss Toss, Toss Toss, could actually uh, <laughs> pop up. She could be there as the eye candy. Awesome dude. Also, that's what he says all the time. I mean, let's face it, a golden handcuffs. You could sack the, uh, the programme controller, reinstate Noel Edmonds' house party and Christmas presents and appoint you as Director General. I can dream, says Paul. That would be lovely, wouldn't it? I love things like that. Listen, there's all sorts of stories in the papers this morning. My, uh, my thoughts are that Nelson Mandela is close to the end. You'll hear it first on LBC 97.3. There will be lots of, lots of tributes. It, it just seems too much of a coincidence that Obama's there... And uh, every seems to be sort of 
sort of getting themselves into into action for the end. So we'll we'll wait and see, but you'll hear it on LBC 97.3. Have a great day. At least we're going to enjoy some weather today, are we not? Good luck to all the taxi drivers. Well done, Raymond. And I hope that your day goes well in Southend-on-Sea for the London Taxi Drivers Fund for underprivileged children. Nick and the team with you at seven this morning. Coming up next, the morning news with Susan Bookbinder. LBC 97.3. 